You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Nearly 2,000 Washington state workers have resigned, retired, or gotten fired because of Governor Jay Inslee's vaccine mandate. It will likely take weeks to know how the departures will affect state services like ferries, prisons and child welfare. But state agencies are bracing for the impacts. Olympia correspondent Austin Jenkins reports. It's easy to take for granted that state workers will be there when you need them. Here's an illustration. Wednesday morning, a semi-crash shut down the northbound lanes of Interstate 5 near Seattle. The North 5 main line sitting in bumper-to-bumper traffic right now. State Patrol and DOT crews responded and started diverting traffic off the freeway. But the ability of these two frontline agencies to respond to crashes, clear snowy passes, and meet other transportation needs could be challenged in the weeks and months ahead. That's because the patrol and the Department of Transportation combined have shed more than 600 employees due to the governor's vaccine mandate. We've lost uh, everything from a cadet with just a few months' experience to a captain with decades of experience. This is Chris Loftus, a spokesperson for the state patrol. His agency is down 156 employees, or about 7% of the workforce. Loftus says the attrition just adds to what was already a state trooper shortage. That said, uh, we're an agency of size. We're an agency of resource. We're an agency of scope. So we will move Uh, resources around accordingly. Some of the troopers and dispatchers who lost their jobs gathered Tuesday at the state capitol. Most had gotten either a religious or medical exemption from the mandate, but were told they couldn't be accommodated as unvaccinated workers because of the nature of their jobs. Alyssa Brentano worked as a communications officer in Vancouver, dispatching troopers over a wide swath of southwest Washington from Chehalis to Goldendale. She says the true test of the decline in staffing will come when winter weather hits. I mean, when we're fully staffed and we get bad weather, it's hard to even keep up. And that's with two to three, sometimes four people. So doing it with one or possibly two is going to make it really difficult. As the vaccine mandate deadline approached, Washington's prison system was bracing for an exodus of staff. Last Friday, Secretary of Corrections Cheryl Strange said as many as 500 employees across her agency might lose their jobs. At this point, we are planning for normal operations. Uh, The situation, of course, is fluid. As of Tuesday, the Department of Corrections said the actual number of departures was closer to 350 and that all prisons had adequate staffing with no major disruptions. Nonetheless, Governor Inslee issued a proclamation temporarily halting the transfer of prisoners from county jails to state prisons. Strange had hinted this might happen. It is to freeze movement for a minute so that we can let some folks settle and and keep COVID from penetrating the, the department with incoming. So. The vaccine mandate put the Department of Corrections at odds with its unionized workforce. Michelle Woodrow represents frontline prison staff as president of Teamsters 117. I understand that we are in the middle of a public health crisis. 
I believe in vaccinations. I am vaccinated. But she says the way the mandate was implemented has been unfair to her members, especially those who got exemptions but did not receive accommodations. Woodrow also says she's worried about the staff left behind, noting that prisons were already short-staffed and workers were having to log a lot of overtime. I think they're minimizing their staffing deficit. The concern about staffing shortages, especially in state institutions, is shared by Leanne Kunze, who heads the Washington Federation of State Employees. But she's also concerned about the decision some of her members made not to get vaccinated. So many of them have been exposed to so much misinformation. And sadly, um, the propaganda that's out there about vaccines is deadly. Ultimately, about 90 percent of state employees did get vaccinated, while just 3 percent got an accommodation to keep working unvaccinated. Meanwhile, there are still close to 3,000 workers whose status is up in the air. Some may be in the process of getting vaccinated or accommodated, but others could be headed for the door. I'm Austin Jenkins in Olympia. Chicago has started sidelining police officers who refuse to comply with the city's COVID-19 vaccination policy. It makes Chicago the latest front in the battle between city leaders and law enforcement officers throughout the country. Patrick Smith of member station WBEZ reports. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot wants all Chicago city workers inoculated against the coronavirus. We're not trying to do anything other than create a safe workplace. She initially announced a vaccine mandate, but after pushback from unions, including the police, she compromised and said city employees have to either be vaccinated or undergo twice weekly testing. Lightfoot then ordered all city workers to share their vaccination status with the city by the end of last Friday. It's pretty straightforward. Are you vaccinated or not? I am telling you right now, it is an improper order. It is illegal. Refuse that order. In the week leading up to the deadline, John Catanzara, who heads the police union here, urged his officers to defy the order, arguing it's an infringement on their medical privacy. Data released by the city on Monday show that about a third of the Chicago Police Department followed Catanzara's direction, declining to share their vaccination status. That's more than 4,000 police officers. Law enforcement officers across the country have bucked vaccine mandates in places like Seattle, Portland, Oregon, and L.A. County. Dr. John Williams is a physician and a sheriff's deputy in Colorado and has been encouraging police to get the vaccine. While he doesn't believe mandates are the most effective way to do that, he also thinks there's something else at play. Cops are out there feeling that they're in a corner and they've lost the respect of a lot of the public, yet they're doing a really difficult job and putting their lives on the line every day. And this may be the one thing to say, look, okay, you're, 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 you're stripping away all these other things. You're telling me to have that needle? Uh-uh, I ain't taking it. In Chicago, City Council Member Brian Hopkins argues it boils down to a broken relationship between the mayor and the rank and file. A number of the officers that I've talked to, they just felt that this was yet one more uh, condescending, insulting um, message that was delivered to them by someone who they do not uh, respect or admire. But Mayor Lightfoot insists this is about public safety and nothing else. Police officials have been calling individual officers down to headquarters and ordering them one last time to share their vaccination status. If they refuse that direct order, the officers are stripped of their police powers and put on no pay status. Mayor Lightfoot says only a very small number of officers have refused the final order, though that number could grow as more and more officers are confronted throughout the week. For NPR News, I'm Patrick Smith in Chicago. 
Ten states require healthcare workers to get vaccinated against COVID-19 or risk losing their jobs. In a handful of those states like Maine, the EMTs and paramedics who respond to 911 calls are explicitly included in that mandate. As Maine Public Radio's Patty White reports, some ambulance crews say that's making an ongoing staffing crisis worse. In the rural coastal town of Waldeboro, the Emergency Medical Services Department has been busier than ever this year. EMS workers say people have been delaying care because of the pandemic and getting sicker. And they also need to do wellness checks on older adults. On a recent morning, two crew members stopped by a secluded house near the ocean to measure the clotting levels of a woman in her 90s. I'm Jared. Jared, remember me. How are you doing today? Okay. Jared Dinsmore and Kevin LeCaptain work for Waldeboro on top of full-time EMS jobs in other towns. It's common in Maine for EMS staffers to work for multiple departments, which are all looking for help. And Waldeboro EMS may soon need even more help. It already lost one worker who quit because of the state vaccine mandate and could lose another two. It keeps town manager Julie Kaiser up at night. So we're a 24-hour service. If I lose three people who were putting in 40 hours or over, that's 120 hours I can't cover. In Lincoln County, we already have a stressed system. That stress was evident recently when Waldeboro almost had to shut down service for a weekend due to lack of staff. Kaiser says she supports vaccination, but believes Maine's mandate threatens the ability for some departments to function. About 200 miles north in Fort Fairfield, Deputy Fire Chief Cody Fenderson says two workers got vaccinated after the mandate was issued, but eight quit. You know, anybody that does ambulances is is suffering. It's it's tough. I'm not sure what we're going to do, and I don't know what the answer is. Staffing issues have plagued the EMS system for years. It's intense work that takes a lot of training and offers low pay. Chris Thompson is the firefighters union president in Portland. He expects just a handful to quit over this, but that means added stress and overtime for everyone else. He says unvaccinated staff should be allowed to work because they're experts in infection prevention and wear PPE. You know, the union encourages people to get their vaccine. I personally got my vaccine and we're not in denial of how serious the pandemic is. But the firefighters and the nurses have been doing this, you know, for a year and a half And I think that we've done it safely. And I think the only thing that really threatens the health of the public is short staffing. Mike Soschuk is Maine's commissioner of public safety. He points out departments already lose staff when workers get COVID and have to isolate. Win-win scenarios are often talked about but seldom realized. So sure, you may have a situation where staffing concerns are a reality in communities. But for us, we do believe that The broader impact, the safer impact on our system is through vaccinations. Some EMS departments have complied fully with the mandate, with no one quitting. Andrew Turcott is fire chief and director of EMS for the city of Westbrook, where all 70 of his staff are now vaccinated. We chose to get into the healthcare field, and with that comes responsibilities and accountabilities. That includes ensuring that you're vaccinated. But as enforcement of the mandate looms at the end of October, towns like Waldeboro are still struggling to fill shifts. Richard Lash is the EMS director. I've told my town manager that we'll do the best we can do. But, you know, I can't continue to work 120 hours a week to fill shifts. I'm getting old, you know, and I just can't keep doing that. He's 65 and wants to retire soon, but for now is still lifting stretchers. For NPR News, I'm Patty White in Lewiston, Maine. 
Monday is the deadline for Washington State employees, healthcare, and long-term care workers, and those working in the education field to be fully vaccinated. Those who aren't could be out of a job by day's end. Some of the state employees who faced termination got exemptions, but not a workplace accommodation so they could stay on the payroll. Olympia correspondent Austin Jenkins reports. For more than 30 years, Charles LeBlanc has served the state of Washington, first as a state trooper, rising to the rank of captain, and in recent years as Washington's fire marshal, overseeing things like the state's fire training academy and enforcing fireworks regulations. But now LeBlanc is about to turn in his badge. I will walk away with, without further employment, with no medical or dental coverage for my family. You might say LeBlanc is a casualty of Governor Jay Inslee's vaccine mandate. That mandate required state employees and others to get fully vaccinated against COVID-19 by October 18th or face termination. Employees could seek a medical or religious exemption. That's what LeBlanc did. He got a letter from his doctor saying the vaccine could do more harm than good in his case. The state patrol, LeBlanc's employer, granted him the exemption. But in a meeting with the chief, LeBlanc says he was told he couldn't be accommodated because of the public-facing nature of his job. It was at that meeting that it was made very clear to me that there was only one option, and that option was to get vaccinated. That was a non-starter for LeBlanc, who says he once went into anaphylactic shock after getting an allergy shot. I think a mandate is very, very dangerous because it literally... You're taking people like me and, and basically asking me to play Russian roulette with my life. LeBlanc says he feels even more strongly about not getting the shot because he got COVID this summer. He's confident he now has some natural immunity. The state patrol calls LeBlanc's departure a loss, while also noting that the agency's vaccination rate is over 90 percent. LeBlanc is a plaintiff in a lawsuit brought by dozens of public sector workers that aims to overturn the governor's mandate. Seattle attorney Nathan Arnold is leading that effort. He says the state should have found a way to keep people like LeBlanc, who's one of the state patrol's few Pacific Islander employees. I would implore the governor to consider some common sense accommodations. For example, people like the fire marshal who have antibodies, they should be able to continue doing their job. In response to the criticism, Governor Inslee says the decision on accommodations was made based on science and what's legally required of the state as an employer. It is a fair thing not to allow public servants to infect the public. We want to serve the public, not infect the public. As of earlier this month, Washington state agencies had approved more than 4,000 religious exemptions and more than 800 medical ones. But only about 30 percent of workers were getting accommodations. While that percentage is likely higher now, it still appears hundreds, if not thousands, of state workers are about to be shown the door. Still, Inslee notes it's a small fraction of the overall workforce and says he doesn't expect massive disruptions in state services. And if people do make a choice to leave service, we will replace them. We will find other people who do decide to become vaccinated. At the Washington State Patrol, Fire Marshal Charles LeBlanc isn't the only employee who will be out of a job after today. So will Richard and Selena Thompson of Vancouver. He's a sergeant and she's a dispatcher. They both got religious exemptions, but were told they couldn't be accommodated. With two small children at home, they've decided to cash out their retirement and go into business for themselves. Here's Selena. I do know we'll be okay. And I know we'll succeed at anything that we do. But there's some people that are getting fired that won't be okay. As Selena spoke, she got emotional. 
that's the first time I've cried about it. <laughs> but the Thompsons are firm in their conviction that Inslee's vaccine mandate was an overreach and that employees like them who got exemptions should have been allowed to keep doing their jobs with extra requirements and precautions. This is Richard. It's not fair or right, and neither is the mandate. Richard plans to turn in his patrol car and gear later this morning. He says the hardest part will be saying goodbye to the troopers he supervises. I'm Austin Jenkins in Olympia. Hundreds of people who work for the New Jersey-based meal kit company HelloFresh have petitioned for a vote to unionize. They're following fellow HelloFresh employees in California and Colorado who've scheduled votes to form the first unions in the multi-billion dollar meal kit industry. Business for the company is up 70% since the pandemic began, but workers say success has come at the expense of their safety. Colorado Public Radio's Matt Bloom reports. For several weeks, workers have been rallying for unionization outside of HelloFresh's distribution centers in the California Bay Area and here in the metro Denver suburb of Aurora. This one is a big industrial warehouse where round-the-clock shifts crank out more than 7,000 prepackaged prepared meals each day. Hi, uh, my name is Mariah. I'm a line lead here. Some workers say the pace is dangerous. Worker Mariah Wood is addressing the crowd. I was here when a pallet fell from the third shelf of racking. It's about 30 feet up. This past summer, she says, workers were rushing to meet daily goals when a wooden pallet containing hundreds of pounds of frozen meals teetered off of its shelving. We have watched this accident happen four times in the four months leading up to that night, only before no one had ever been underneath it. Only this time, four people were underneath. The pallet crushed the workers, leaving some with bruises. One woman still hasn't been able to return to work. Her back was broken in four places. The company has done nothing to help them. They have stacks and stacks of medical bills piling up. Shortly after the accident, workers started circulating a petition to hold a union election. Now more than a thousand workers in California and Colorado are preparing to vote on whether to join a local chapter of Unite Here, a national food service and hospitality worker union. HelloFresh declined an interview request for this story. A company statement says it respects each employee's right to choose or refuse union membership and is working on ways to improve health and safety conditions. I think that's the main thing that I want um, for me and my coworkers, just to be heard where our safety is concerned. Forklift operator Brandon Lowland saw the accident that injured his coworkers in June. He says not enough has changed since then and wants a union to push for more safety training and equipment. Because, you know, it's pretty traumatic. Earlier this year, partly in response to workplace conditions, Amazon warehouse employees in Alabama tried and failed to form what would have been that company's first union. Despite that, James Walsh, a political science professor at the University of Colorado, says... What's happening today is exciting. There's a resurgence of labor. Walsh says attitudes around workplace conditions, and particularly around pay, have changed over the past year and a half. I believe that the uh, experience of the pandemic convinced a lot of workers that going back to the barely surviving existence of, of minimum wage work was not an option. And so um, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing low-wage workers saying we're worth something more. Um, we have human dignity, and we're going to organize. Noah Kennedy, a worker on the HelloFresh pack line, says he can't afford to start the family he wants on his $16 an hour wage, especially with Colorado's high cost of living. I'm like 24 now, but like in the next like four or five years, it's like, okay, what about kids? I'm having a house for kids. 
And when I think about how much I make now and where my life is currently going, that's just not possible, just like financially. He hopes forming a union can help change that. Voting begins on October 28th and will last through mid-November. For NPR News, I'm Matt Bloom in Aurora, Colorado. And we'll note that HelloFresh is among NPR's financial supporters. It's the sport of kings, better than diamond rings. Wildcats. Wildcats. Amon Gordon played defensive line for eight years in the NFL. Do you have any sense of how many concussions you may have gotten? I have no idea. Innumerable amounts. In 2015, a neurologist diagnosed him with dementia at the age of 33. Now he suffers panic attacks, anxiety, and sleepless nights. Wake up in the morning real, it's like imagine your brain being frozen until about noon. But he has never received any of the nearly billion dollar settlement for concussion related injuries. You think it's because he's black? I absolutely think it because he's black. I think he's been discriminated against. Last summer, the couple learned the protocols to qualify for the settlement included something called race norming. Their cognitive test scores were adjusted based on age, education, and controversially, race. What it meant for the settlement was that black players had to score lower than white players to qualify to be paid. Even though the process for distributing the settlement was originally agreed upon by both the NFL and players' lawyers, many players say they didn't realize. Race norms were first developed because blacks in this country, on average, have experienced much more social disadvantage than whites. But now some experts say they are oversimplified and perpetuate systemic racism. I, I happen to be lucky right now, um, um, but who knows what's coming down the road for me. Former running back Ken Jenkins doesn't have cognitive issues yet, but last year he and his wife, Dr. Amy Lewis, took action when they heard about race norming. I wrote a petition um, under change.org, and I asked my friends to pass it along. It ended up getting 50, 000, over 50,000 signatures. In June, the NFL, together with attorneys for the players, announced they would come up with new protocols. And we're all somehow celebrating this, but that's like someone stole your purse and then volunteers to help you find it. Now Lewis and Jenkins are calling on the Department of Justice to investigate possible civil rights violations. The league denies there was discrimination, but agreed that the race-based norms should be replaced. Roxy Gordon sees this moment as an opportunity for the NFL. I'm hoping that the NFL will take a look at these people and their families and do what's right. It's time. The proposal for the changes due today in court goes through a common period before going into effect, but that could be retroactive, which could affect hundreds of former players. As for that investigation into civil rights violations, the DOJ tells us it is still under review. Race norming in 2021 is yeah, pretty, you can't even pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty and ridiculous. they sort of hope yeah. that this case will end the practice yeah. across the board ridiculous. with everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Right. Thank you, Thank you Steph. Good story, Steph. Thank you. Thank you. The Las Vegas Raiders play their first game today since their former coach, John Gruden, resigned last week. The resignation coming hours after reports of his use of slurs and derogatory language in emails to NFL executives came to light. 
about those emails. They came to light because of an NFL investigation into the workplace environment of the Washington football team, which is facing allegations that it fostered a degrading and hostile work environment, especially towards women, for years. And while the investigation concluded this past July, only emails related to Gruden have been made public. The NFL has said it does not plan to release additional records from the investigation, but some people say more documents need to be released. One of the people saying that is Lisa Banks. She is an attorney who is representing more than 40 former employees of the Washington football team, and she's with us now to tell us more. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Michelle. You represent more than 40 former employees of the Washington football team as part of the documents that were released. There are email exchanges between Gruden and former Washington football team president Bruce Allen that featured photos of topless women, including the team's cheerleaders. And I was wondering if you've spoken with any of your clients since the story broke and if you can share any of what their feelings are about all this. I represent, as you said, 40 clients, um, not all of whom are cheerleaders, but all of my clients are... Uh, really devastated by the allegations about the content of these emails and the idea that there could be more. Why do you want more emails to be released? What information do you think that they might have that would be relevant? It's not even just the emails. It's There are findings to this investigation. It went on for 10 months or more. They interviewed 120 people. They looked at, as we know, over 600,000 documents. Uh, and my clients participated with the understanding that there would be some transparency and some accountability at the end of this. Uh, they would understand what the findings were and what steps were being taken as a result. And the problem is we haven't seen anything. We haven't heard anything. There hasn't been any information communicated to us. We haven't seen the findings. We have not seen a report as we have in most other NFL investigations. So, you know, effectively this whole thing was swept under the rug and my clients feel like they were, um, they were duped. The Washington football team was fined $10 million. The team owner, Dan Snyder says, says he gave up daily operations. Does that indicate any accountability to you? And if, if not, what would? It doesn't necessarily show any accountability in that we don't know the depth of the problems in the organization because we haven't seen the findings. Um, and so we can't know whether the the fine and Dan Snyder giving up day-to-day -day operation is commensurate with the harm and the allegations because we don't know the full extent of it. So no, I don't think there has been accountability. And what would be that accountability really would depend on what are the findings? You know, I, I know a lot of the allegations that were brought forward, and I know that this harassment and abuse and misogyny existed throughout the organization from the top down over the, a period of 20 years. So what is proper accountability for that? Um, you know, opinions will vary, but it certainly isn't a slap on the wrist and putting your wife in charge. Some people will look at these emails differently. You'll remember that when the former president, as a candidate for president, the presidency, was overheard talking about grabbing women by their genitals, it was dismissed by some as locker room talk, which many people certainly find offensive, but others don't. And many would say this doesn't rise to the level of a crime, but it does speak to a culture, right? So mm -hmm. given your background in employment law, 
how do you change a culture? I mean, can you just give us a way to think about that? I mean, first thing I'll say is is this situation is about more than emails. In fact, it, it has very little to do with emails. The The allegations that I'm aware of are allegations of sexual harassment, abuse, assault, not just inappropriate emails. Um, so it runs the gamut. And as with any organization or any company, the culture and the tone is set at the top. And if you have the top levels of the organization harboring a view that is racist or sexist, it's going to filter down through the organization. And so the best way to change that culture is is to change the tone at the top. And sometimes that necessitates changing who sits at the top. That is attorney Lisa Banks. She represents more than 40 former employees of the Washington football team. Lisa Banks, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. This year, at least two Wisconsin state agencies have been accused of racial discrimination. Now a third. A black woman at the OIC filed a federal complaint saying her supervisors singled her out with aggressive behavior, micromanagement, and bullying. Tonight, investigative reporter Naomi Coles shares her story and the new research into these charges that suggest that they may not go far. They could care less. Like, Shante Cameron Cuesta. I was told I didn't have any rights. Thinks her 10 year career at various Wisconsin state agencies is about um, to end. I worked for Office of Commissioner of Insurance, the state of Wisconsin, um, as an insurance examiner. The heart of the issue, she says, discrimination and bullying from her supervisor. Problems started when work went virtual last March. The deadlines were not the same as everyone else. She felt singled out, disrespected, and micromanaged, even after fixing issues like personal life conflicts. Maybe we could just not put that load of laundry in today. That her supervisor called out. It's like a way to dehumanize what I actually was experiencing. The only person of color on her team, she says the issues escalated as the year she went on. She told me that I was being sensitive um, and that I'm taking things the wrong way. She filed an internal discrimination complaint in April. The Department of Administration investigated. They closed the complaint days later, unsubstantiated. Hours later, she says her supervisor opened a work rule violation investigation like into her. Everything at that moment was shifted. I was a target at that point. I had a bullseye on my back. That investigation for not completing work on time, substantiated with a one-day unpaid suspension. A couple months later, she was accused again, this time for not showing up to in-person work that she says she missed the email for. The result, a three-day suspension. Shantae denies the violations and believes she's being pushed Literally, out. Everything that I said was swept up under the rug. It wasn't acknowledged. When I did have conversation about it, it was, well, we're not talking about that. Well, Since she didn't get anywhere at the state level, Shantae went to the feds, filing a complaint with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. But she fully expects her days with the state are numbered. It sucks. I was a mother at 16. I worked so hard for the state and to be able to not be a statistic and not be have my kids look at me like that. And now my whole state career is going to end like this. I did not deserve that treatment. I asked the state about all this. They're limited on what they can say because it's a federal investigation. But in a statement filed on Thursday with the feds, they said there's no unlawful discrimination here. They also said Shante's supervisor didn't know that Shante had filed an internal complaint. Therefore, her suspensions were not retaliatory. They were the result of performance issues identified through normal processes. 
Shante showed me her performance evaluations. She was meeting expectations up until this year, and in her federal complaint, she accuses her supervisor of changing this year's evaluation after the fact. Shante's allegations are at least the third Wisconsin state agency accused this year of workplace discrimination. In June, four employees of color at the Wisconsin Department of Veteran Affairs told the Capital Times they felt marginalized and micromanaged during their time there. In April, a black DOJ administrator filed a federal discrimination complaint. A separate investigation did not substantiate the allegations. But federal complaints with the EEOC rarely lead to tangible results. Most of them don't get great um, outcomes. 13% um, get some change in employer practices coming out of that negotiated settlement. A professor and a doctorate student at the University of Massachusetts Amherst released new research this summer. They found 63% of people who file complaints with the feds still ultimately lose their job. Which obviously we can't comment on like the specifics of that case, but... They say retaliation is very common in their findings, which used tens of thousands of complaints between 2012 and 2016 across the U.S. People will raise a complaint internally uh, with their HR or the their employer department. As we report in our research, we find uh, pretty high rates of employer retaliation. Complaints like Shantae's rarely lead to lawsuits. I mean, the EOC only files 100, maybe 200 lawsuits a year, the, the, and they have um, close to 100,000 complaints. Um, so it is that mediation process that's their major tool. But most notably, their research finds Wisconsin is the sixth highest state or territory in the country for the number of black people who file federal complaints about racial discrimination at work. No, it's, it's going to probably be. Shante, meanwhile, says she's on the verge of being pushed out. It's one-sided. It's to protect the higher upper management, so to speak. For News 3 Investigates. I'm disposable. I'm Naomi Coles. To that. We're going to continue to follow this story. The state further told us in response to this story that they are following an executive order from the governor in 2019 and have an action plan for diversity, equity, and inclusion. For more, check online at channel3000.com slash news3investigates. Diversity, inclusion, equity. Had to get that in as well. One of the more popular phrases of the past couple of years. Context of white supremacy, Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, October 22nd, 2021. So I have been told this is our weekly forum neutralizing workplace racism. Dial in if you have thoughts, observations, counter-racist suggestions. The number to dial, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. This broadcast, not for spectators, particularly with all of the zaniness that is happening all over the world in the area of labor, this is a time for folks to be observant, sharing information, what exactly is happening in the workplace. <clears throat> On many fronts, the vaccines, 
racism in general, lots of different things, safety, lots of different things to discuss. But again, not for spectators, particularly if you figured out some things that work well, dealing with vaccine mandates, dealing with COVID-19 protocols, dealing with racism, white supremacy. You know some things, policy and procedure, things to say, things to do. Let us know. The number to dial 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Email address untiljustice at gmail.com. Untiljustice at gmail.com. Write in if you want to remain anonymous. Uh, if you either have suggestions to share, help us solve some problems without creating new problems, or if you have a situation, you'd appreciate, appreciate us sharing counter-racist logic, our view on how best to try to solve some problems in your workplace. Untiljustice at gmail. Com. Before I get to some of the emails, uh, some of the audio segments that we heard, uh, just the COVID disruptions alone, they're talking about it's not even winter yet, and they're talking about, oof, are we going to have enough workers to get the snow plowed? Man, the vaccine mandates and people either being fired or resigning or, you know, whatever you want to call it, but are we, they, in, in a number of jurisdictions have had to cancel bus routes, like over 100 in some locations, don't have enough drivers. Let's see, they continued they, about uh, healthcare workers not getting the vaccine. That was presented as, hey, you know, these folks you're on one side of the argument was, hey, these folks have been working in this environment for the past year and a half, almost two years. They know how to work safely to keep themselves protected. The other side was, hey, you, you are a health uh, professional. We're supposed to keep the folks that we serve safe, not infect them. You're going to be a frontline worker, as they say. You need to be vaccinated. I found that interesting, the number of health professionals who have been defiant about the vaccine all over uh, the U.S. And uh, enforcement officers as well talked about that uh, for the Seattle area, talked about that for the Chicago area. Matter of fact, in Chicago specifically, so they got uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, black female, cowbell, her, cowbell. Uh, she says the enforcement officials you have to show evidence, or it, it's just you have to show your status. That's what it is. You have to show your status. Are you vaccinated, yay or no? White defiance. I was talking about this week. I said, man, Mr. Fuller says we don't understand white people. The most familiar mystery. Now, I said, you know, this vaccine, being a nigger, they tell us what to do all the time, boss us around, go here, go there, don't go over here, don't go over there. That's your whole life as a black person. 
as a white woman, white man, you really are not accustomed to being told to do things, especially like invasive things with your body. That's not something that I think a lot of white people are accustomed to, especially it seems white people in this part of the world. And then to have a black female, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, you're going to come in here and tell us we got to show you, I'm not showing nothing. And the hash, they said thousands of enforcement officers doing that. Now, I'm sure in Chicago, they got some black officers, some non-white officers. But I mean, that is the land of Ed Burge. I suspect that is a lot of white people. Defiant, just like right here. You heard the same thing. They said, for Chicago, they said, you would be stripped of police powers. Did you hear what I said? I'm not showing nothing. Got this nigga woman mayor try to tell us what to do. White defiance. Really, what does it mean to be white? Uh, let's see. They had the HelloFresh workers. They're uh, doing their vote. See if they're going to unionize. They want to improve safety conditions in the workplace. They talked about the pallets being stacked in an unsafe manner, and they'd seen those pallets fall, I think she said, like three times before. They're encouraged to work so uh, efficiently, recklessly maybe, uh, to get things done quick, quick, quick. Uh, we've heard this before for a lot of different warehouse situations, uh, Amazon and some of the others, uh, where it's the same thing, especially this time of year where it's headed towards all of the white holidays. Got to rush and get the stuff out and do, 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 you know, Santa Claus and white Jesus's birthday and all the rest of it really got to be rolling. Don't even have time to go to the bathroom. We've had even some cows listeners uh, who worked in some of these environments and they talked about this scene. Wow, this is so unsafe. Somebody operating, you know, one of these cranes or whatever is going to knock something up, knock a pallet over, knock a pallet, knock a box over. I have to utilize a ladder of some sort. I might fall over anything, all of the above. That's why I said consistently, you have to be the person most concerned with your safety. If you are not, that'll be you underneath the pallet. And they said these folks got bills piling up. That should be an easy one, right? My God, we knocked a pallet over on you like Jesus. What can we do? We send you a fruit basket every week and all of our tacky. Let's here, get you a half-eaten bag of peanut M&Ms, anything else, and give us those bills. We got that. No. I didn't even get my half-eaten bag of peanut M&Ms. Safety. So. Let's see. Oh, we got two with the speaking of safety. We got two with the raggedy old NFL. This is not sports talk radio. Say that two weeks in a row. Hopefully, from what we heard in the sound, because it sounds like we're talking about labor, not entertainment. So the first segment, and I mean safety, my gosh. We talked about this before. So you're a black NFL player. I'm on green. Najee Davenport talked about uh, retired firefighter, see if we could maybe get him on to talk about, you know, the conclusion of all this at this point. Uh, but you play in the NFL, get all kinds of brain damage. Incidentally, in that segment, 
they had a black player with brain damage, CTE, at the age of 33. We had talked about that before, and I said, man, they have a lot of evidence of younger people, like in their 20s even, Aaron Hernandez with the New England Patriots in his 20s having brain damage. It's not possible to play tackle football and not get brain damage. He couldn't even remember how many concussions he had. Anywho, so they talk about all this. You play all those years and mess up your body. Know you're going to need all kinds of medical assistance, particularly as you age. What they were doing, they being the NFL white gangsters and this billion-dollar global conglomerate, what they would do is say, well, okay, we will make you take a test to see how much of a change there is in your neurological ability, so-called. Who put this test together, by the way? And they say, well, the, the Negras, see, you all, you all start off from a disadvantage, socially disadvantaged, they say. What does that mean? You all start off socially disadvantaged, so you don't have the same cognitive abilities of Tom Brady, you know, Dan Reno. They are not socially disadvantaged. What? It sounds like you're saying that black people are just, that's the same thing that we heard yesterday in Shaft, where Ernest Tidyman, white man, where he said, man, no black people did this crime. No way. This took some thinking. A white man did this. Those niggers, they are just all emotion and passion and running around and such. They don't do any strategizing. They don't do any thinking and planning. Long-running trope in the system of white supremacy. So the NFL, without acknowledging racism, white supremacy, say we'll do away with this policy. We'll treat all the niggers the same, maybe. Total disgrace. I say again, uh, if you are an attempted parent, no football. You should be all done with that. You're not going to damage my child's brain and have them all banged up so that uh, Nick Saban can get him another championship at Alabama. No, thank you. Double for football. So we came back. We heard about John Gruden last week. No porn on workplace property. They give you a tablet, a phone, a laptop, whatever. Certainly not while you're at work. Not the time to be exchanging nudes like old John Gruden. And certainly not on your work email or to anyone else's work email. And I can't emphasize enough. They said that in the report. All of this was an investigation of the Washington Redskins. And I'm not saying the name change, particularly you can't even give us the information in that report. Oh, no, I'm sure the rate. I'm, I'm sure we got the most timid components of that report, that they deemed uh, the word was sensitive. The material was too sensitive to, now see, they called the black female at the end, they called her sensitive too. Anyway, with the Washington Redskins and the environment was so toxic that it prompted this investigation to begin with. Remember the last time the NFL 
when they have investigations into toxic workplaces, and this is something that they know about, they just had this, this with the Miami Dolphins. They didn't sensitize that report. They had text messages. Well, Richie Incognito, remember him? He was sending out text messages talking about shooting black people and getting firearms and nigger this and all the rest of it, racist jokes. They didn't say that that was too sensitive. They released a nice, shiny document, lengthy, 200 pages, got the text messages and all the rest of it. They didn't do that for the Washington Redskins. That Miami report was basically about one person and how this behavior was allowed. That Washington Redskins report was about management. We're not talking about one journeyman player. We're talking about the powerful white people who own and run the Washington Redskins. In addition to the nudes that were being emailed and inappropriate photographs and totally uh, what they sexist conduct in the workplace. In addition to all of that criminal activity, sounded like a lot of it. Uh, in addition to all of that, this franchise in the Washington, D.C. area, they're mocking President Obama, which I said before, like, really? That's like telling me that water is wet. Because this investigation was during the Obama years, so you're telling me some white people in Washington, D.C. had racist things to say about Obama? I'm stunned. I'm shocked. Can you see the surprise on my face? It's raining in Seattle. Dogs bark. White people practice racism against President Obama. And again, that's not really sensitive. Like, unless they were doing, like, some plotting to kill him type thing. Unless it was something like that's not really sensitive. Like I've heard that, heard all that, mm-hmm, right, right. Like, what is in this report? Toxic workplace. That's another concealing information. Talk about that all the time. Concealing information. Uh, let's see. Last. Report was Shante Cameron Cuesta, black female in Wisconsin, Robin, California, now his old stomping grounds, as they say. She said she was a target working for a state agency. She had 10 years service working in the great state of Wisconsin, Jeffrey Dahmerland. She said that once she filed this report about mistreatment, everything changed. Supervisor begins retaliating against her. Now, one, they explain this away, the agency is saying that her her supervisor was not aware that she had filed this report. I do not believe that. That is the type of thing that you might not be able to prove, but we've had so many instances of unjust networking. And soon as some, I mean, it doesn't even have to be about that. We've had folks who talked about how they, hey, Karen was looking at porn on the computer and that's gone all the way around the office. Haven't told, uh, you know, the other employees not trying to handle this professionally. This is just, you know, good scuttlebutt for the day. That sort of thing. Gossiping about what somebody had on much less. You got a black employee who is suggesting that racism may have been practiced. Oh yeah. You can better believe, even if it's just for your sanity and knowing how to plan, 
they are going to talk. The text messages, the emails, uh, we got a rendezvous by the recycling bin, whatever it is, they are going to discuss that. So that's one. Two, Ms. Cameron Cuesta, she said that she had sparkling performance evaluations and tell all of this. And she said that she suspected her supervisor had went back after, I guess, the evaluation had taken place and changed her scores. It is imperative. Documentation, get a copy of your personnel records and any sort of, you get an eval, you have a performance review, anything like that, get a copy for your records. That way, anything like this happens, you have a copy. And it's even better if you get them to send you an electronic copy. Oh, now it's date stamped. You have the exact version of what they sent you, like forever and ever. Ah, man, like there's no conversation about, well, you took this and doctored it or you changed it. Or blah, blah, blah. This is from you, the exact date, time, everything. But even if you can't get that, get a hard copy of any sort of performance review that happens to you. So you have documentation of this or something like this comes up. They change the score, change the marks or whatever. Bam, you can note the discrepancy. That I would not necessarily find surprising either. Uh, and for things to change so abruptly, you've got a 10-year history of working in these agencies, and now it's all of this. And they said they also wrote her up without pay for, that they said it was she uh, missed an assignment. She said she didn't get the email. That is so common. Our non-white people report being left out of some sort of communique, whether it was a text change, uh, an email, whatever it was. They didn't get the information at the appropriate time and end up being late or missing an assignment completely or change to an assignment. Super imminent. That's the sort of thing in terms of documenting as well. If this was an email, let's even go back. We had the caller last week who got said the same thing. He said the same thing. They wrote him up for not checking his email. He said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. One, I didn't even get trained properly on how to do email. I had to set up my own account. Two, where's the computer for me to check my email? No computer in the area. And then miraculously, a computer appears the next day in a garbage bag. Brand new MacBook, Mac, brand new MacBook, I'm told. That sort of tackiness. Document. That's when they come back, you didn't do this, we sent you the email. Let's find exactly where it is. Date, time, everything. And make sure this is not some phantom. Oh, whoops. I misspelled. It looks like I didn't actually get you the email. Oh, we'll get you next time. I, I'm so sorry about that. Now you've already missed the meeting now, so they moved on. <laughs> Have to try to see if we remember this for next month to make sure that I get included. Can be helpful if there are other, <clears throat> she said in this environment, there were no other non-white people. If there are other non-white people, if y'all can kind of work together to at least make sure, verify that you're getting emails and such, that might not always be an option. 
But if you can figure out another system to try to help with that, because that is so easy to do, just to delete a name or remove a name or just forget to include someone. Uh, let's see, I'll do one email and then we'll get to folks who dialed in. Let's see. Nice chunk of emails this week. Uh, okay, uh, so I mentioned <clears throat> our caller from last week talked about being accused, not checking information, responding appropriately, this whole sabotage with the computer. Uh, he told us he was going to write a our report to address all of the abuse that he's facing. <clears throat> he sent us a copy of his report. He writes it. Uh, Dear Mrs. Suspected Racist, the reason why he didn't say race, I'm just, you know, the reason why I'm writing you this email is to give you a very clear and concise overview of some very uncomfortable, hurtful, and traumatizing events that have happened to me while working at the school district and simultaneously to let you know that I do not want to be in a situation or environment where they may reoccur. Let's harken back to 2014 through 2019. Under the supervision of a white supervisor, in my honest and humble opinion, this first, we'll call this person Bill. Bill was a crass, unabashed, and unadulterated racist who terrorized me by coalescing my coworkers against me and simultaneously they all aggregated lies that sullied and besmirched my character. These aspersions upon me by kindling, oh sorry, by Bill, messing up the name, by Bill and the rest triggered a chain of events that caused me stress where I was the target, that word again, of a false sexual harassment investigation where I was totally exonerated. This act of white terrorism was done to me with great contempt and rancor, and it still hurts me because it was set in motion by such wanton and reckless temerity that I did not deserve. That word again, we just heard that. Currently, there is a new are here by the name of Charles. To be fair, watch that word, I really do not have any preconceived notions in regards to this man. However, I have noticed that whenever he sees me, I honestly believe he is profiling me like I am 187 suspect, murder a 2615 suspect, rapist, and or a 484 suspect thief, or maybe a gun-toting rogue by steering me down like I committed a crime, which dehumanizing, intimidating, and uncomfortable, which is maybe, just maybe, this is his mannerism. But this behavior is again, is akin, sorry, to implicit bias and microaggression, which can cause a black person like myself to be nervous. After experiencing the aforementioned events perpetrated by Charles, I am not accusing blatantly, I am not accusing him blatantly 
of anything. But the old adage states, actions speak louder than words, and that is a concern. And I sincerely hope I am wrong. I just would like to reiterate to you that if there is a repeat of any abuse or harassment this time around, I will reach out to the California Attorney General's office and file a subversion of the United States Constitution charge against the district, along with some arcane laws on the books to curtail these type of behaviors. Mr. Johnson is a good man, and he knows what I have been through. This is not a reflection of his leadership. The past can be a very good predictor of the future, and the basic and sole purpose of this email is to negate the behavior of this individual before it versions into a problem that can cost this district money. Thank you humbly for listening. Best regards. Much obliged for sharing with us, victim of racism. Uh, I guess give us the update and let us know, you know, how they uh, respond. I would keep any sort of correspondence if they email back or if it's a hard copy letter, save all of that, maybe even photocopy or take a picture to make sure you have it if, you know, in case something happens. Um, I guess any, the only thoughts that I have really, I think with these sort of reports, when you have to report after you've been mistreated, I think it's best to be as concise as possible. Um, I don't, I personally don't recommend going into previous narratives about things that have happened on other jobs. I would try to just keep it as razor focused to the current situation as possible. It's been my experience, race soldiers, uh, they, when it's not very concise, they can strategically use that to say that they got lost. They can, when it starts out talking about things that happen in the other workplace, they say, well, I don't know anything about that. And I don't know anything. I'm not involved with that. And you're talking about terrorism and what this guy did. And yeah, we just, I, I can't even, you know, I can see where some racist, that would be enough for them to just shut down immediately. Or to go the confusion route and just say they don't understand. And then you end up spending 30 minutes or an hour trying to educate them about what happened in the previous work situation. I wouldn't want to do that either. Let's just get it. This is a problem that can be solved in the workplace right now in five minutes. Let's go that route. So that's one. I would try to stay away from any order uh, anecdotes and things that are not directly related to what we're talking about, whatever problem we want to get solved, hopefully in the next five minutes, if not sooner. Uh, I probably would not use racism or even I would try the best of my ability. Just sticking to what was done that was incorrect, that was unjust behavior, that was a violation of policy and procedure. That's the way that I would articulate it. I would probably not, or I would suggest avoiding labeling a white person as a racist, suspected racist, bigot, any of that, um, microaggressions, That because I suspect that's another one where white people could divert in. Mike, I don't even know how to say that. Micro, what is it here? Like, yeah, I don't even know what that is. I don't, 
that's an, I wouldn't use that either. I would just keep it about uh, correct behavior, violation of policy and procedure. Has there been some mistreatment? That's the sort of language that I would try to stick to while staying very focused on whatever issue that we want to get resolved in five minutes or less. Uh, yeah, other than that, just sticking to what it is that you just trying to be specific and as concise as possible. You can even bullet point the exact, you know, issues with dates, times of what was done and, you know, what should we be doing to, to remedy the situation? If it's something that happened that should not have happened, what are we doing to make sure that this never happens again? That way, those would be my only suggestions. Uh, if you have to write a report, other folks can share their thoughts if they have any suggestions. And again, hey, just let us know because this might be perfect. If they respond and let you know that we take care of it, Charles is never going to do this again. You know, we change the rules or updated policy and procedure or whatever it is. Let us know. We are all still learning. So the email is untiljustice at gmail.com and the number 720-716-7300, the code 564-943-POUND, press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, let's see. Uh, first couple of folks who dialed in with a hand up, uh, if you have commentary to share, either your own situation or suggestions, line should be open. Proceed. Hey, guys. Good evening. May I be heard? I'll defer to the next caller. Okay. How about that? So polite. Uh, let's see. Um, let's do... Caller in New Jersey, since everyone deferred. We'll start there. Victim in New Jersey. Hey, um, hey Gus. Um, HelloFresh. They have HelloFresh in New Jersey. Uh, I have family members who work there. So um, I think I'll definitely uh, follow up and find out what the work conditions is uh, over there. Um, large employer of, um, of uh, black uh, non-white people, uh, they don't dis they don't discriminate as it relates to uh, people having criminal records. Um, so I can I can definitely see uh, a, a lot of mistreatment with uh, the employee employees that are uh, fresh. Uh, just for that reason, on top of uh, being black, but you know. A felon, you know, felons working there too, you know, like, you know, you guys having a way to go, you know, take this job, where else you're going, and you can just kind of, you know, mistreat them as you wish. Um, as far as unionizing, I've been in a union for, for over like 17 years. Uh, I, anytime I had to negotiate more money, I always had to negotiate on my own. Um, anytime I had a grievance, I had to address that grievance on my own. Uh, I worked for uh, I worked for a company 
and the union went bankrupt. Uh, you know, uh, some uh, union heads went to jail. <laughs> you know, they uh, they squandered uh, the pension. So uh, the Teamsters Union that uh, went under had to be taken over by another union. And uh, the, the contracts that we were under, that I was under, under this particular union, was dismal. It was, I mean, it was, it was, it was poor, you know. Uh, I was at this company for some odd years, only had two sick days. Um, uh, two vacations was the max. So for the people that's, you know, stopping and, and you know, stomping the pavement, to use a metaphor, and, uh, you know, try to unionize. Uh, be careful what you ask for, you know. Um, a lot of times when these companies have a large number of non-white employees, these union heads don't really fight. You know, they don't. And uh, the company that I was looking for was the dairy industry. And... Uh, from my recollection, this industry was predominantly white. Most of the white truck drivers moved on and became uh, heads of the union. And it seems like everybody used to tell me in the yesteryears when, you know, dairy truck drivers, you know, had enough to buy home two cars and send their children to school. But, you know, in 2020 and 2000s, you know, when these jobs are taken over by Hispanics and black people, these contracts and jobs, that, you know, just turned out to not good. Um, I'm working in New York City. I'm, I'm, I've been keep, I've been watching out for the mandates. Um, I've been going in and out of restaurants. Uh, no one has yet asked me for my uh, COVID. Uh, car or X was I vaccinated. Um, I don't know about the uh, people in New York City that's dining, but I wouldn't really see the difference because, you know, I'm, I'm in and out of there. So no one has asked. There's only one place that asked. It was uh, a church um, and they asked for my uh, COVID, uh, COVID card, me and a, uh, another helper that I had with me. Um, so, you know, they said, if you don't have your COVID card, you know, y'all can't make this delivery. Um, so, you know, that's the only, uh, that's, that's the only place that acts for, uh, a COVID card. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that's all. I had something else to say, but I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm, you know, I'm on the road, so I'm kind of, uh, I forgot what I was about to ask. <laughs> I might be suffering from uh, some of that football brain trauma, but um, what I remember, I'll uh, comment further down. I'm sure it will come back to you with time. Lots of uh, brain damage in the system of white supremacy. Uh, that's interesting. The church, that's the only spot where there was resistance, well, I won't say resistance, but uh, you have to show, you know, evidence. So you have your vaccine card, like hmm, the house of the Lord. Really? I can't come to the house of the Lord if I'm not vaccinated. 
I got delivery. Like that's uh wow, okay. I didn't even know churches were included, like in terms of, you know, that that's one of the locations that you had to show. Wow, okay. Um I'm not surprised wow, uh, about Hello Fresh though. Yeah, I'm sorry. At, at that particular church too, I guess they have they have a daycare there. So mm. that's maybe maybe that's why. I see that, yeah, having children that might count as a school type thing, different precautions, I see. Okay. Um, yes, yeah, with HelloFresh, I'm not surprised if you're saying that you know some black people, uh, like several who are working there. It seems like they employ a hefty number of black people who might have difficulty uh, finding employment in other locations. That seems to be the pattern. A lot of these unsafe uh, workhouse positions, uh, warehouse positions, uh, where, you know, you could have a pallet that falls on top of you and, you know, nearly kills you. Uh, you're out for months on end and, you know, don't know if you're going to get your bill taken care of and that sort of thing, much less when you'll be able to go back to work safely. It seems very common. So that's why I say, like, hey, be really alert about your safety uh, and looking out for things that are potential safety hazards. Uh, now, it might happen. Maybe there could be a bizarro instance where you pointing out potential safety ha hazards may get you a raise, may at least get you an attaboy, bring you in a half-eaten bag of peanut M&Ms tomorrow. Maybe that sort of thing. They put, you know, a verbal, a little, he did a great job today and, you know, we made a change to policy and procedure, whatever, that sort of thing. Don't bank on it, but maybe one out of a thousand times that might happen at minimum. And this is what counts might save your life or save you from getting injured or, you know, some other black people, victims of racism from being harmed. That for sure is worth, you know, is priceless, really. Can't put a price tag on your health. Heard so many people say that, especially over the past two years. You cannot put a price on your health. No job is that good. Even the NFL, no job is so good that it is worth you compromising your health. Really, you know, take stock of your safety, especially in the work environment. Let's see. Uh, other folks. Uh, oh, our caller who is gracious, patient. Uh, thank you for allowing victim in New Jersey to speak. Uh, you should be with us also, sir. Good evening, everyone. Uh, may I be heard? Yes, sir. Oh, thank you for listening. Uh, I'll start my report off with uh, saying that um, a uh, company that I am contracted with to drive uh, in New York City, uh, picking up passengers and taking to different destinations, um, I contracted with this company some time ago, and they, in turn, had contracted with a company that uh, tests for COVID-19. And I had shared on the program some time ago that 
uh, in the capacity as a driver for this company that I was asked to, uh, uh, or, um, to, uh, basically pick up, uh, COVID test that had been, um, used already to deliver them to a laboratory for further testing. And I decided not to do that, uh, job, but I have since, uh, rethought that position because I have, uh, implemented safety measures by using, utilizing gloves uh, and changing the gloves. So I've in, instituted a code for uh, protecting myself. So I decided to utilize that position because it allows me, uh, I'm not taking passengers. So there is uh, certainly a lot less hostility uh, doing this position with a uh, you know, decent amount of income. And it allows me to catch up on uh, podcasts such as the cows programming uh, without interruption. So that's factored in my decision into uh, taking that position uh, more seriously. Uh, But one of the uh, benefits that I've received is uh, because of my code of uh, being early for uh, my assignments, I've been, uh, I guess, uh, not promoted, but uh, been preferred uh, to retain my services uh, most of the week where I do not have to take any uh, passengers. And one of the things that has occurred is that one of the owners of the company that does the COVID-19 testing has uh, asked me to come to their home to pick up supplies uh, and to get directions from them in terms of where to go to deliver the COVID testing kits. And when I was uh, asked into the person's home, uh, they began to ask me if I wanted coffee or wanted something to eat. And, uh, because I am a lot less confused about racism, white supremacy. I've implemented a code of, def- of uh, denying any uh, food or drink uh, from those uh, offered, uh, who, those who've offered it. Um, and uh, being on time has certainly helped me to uh, be preferred. And I want to continue in this. But one of the things that has, is that, um, over the past uh, week, they've asked another person to join me um, along these pickups, which it kind of uh, uh, made me, uh, it, it was a kind of a surprise for me. Um, but one of the uh, things that occurred was me utilizing uh, uh, strategies to uh, keep conflict down is that a, um, the person that was riding with me, it seemed as if they were prepared for some type of conflict with me in terms of, uh, I guess, uh, taking uh, more uh, control. Uh, but I certainly um, attempted the best way I could to uh, diffuse any of that conflict. Uh, and it turned out to be something that was positive. I think it made it more safe for me because I 
uh, along the route, I don't have to answer any phone calls or answer any text messages or reading the emails. That person can do that for me. Um, that's all I wanted to report for now. And uh, thank you to all the cows uh, listeners for listening. Thank you and have a good night. I'll meet you on the line. Oh, uh, before you are muted, I just two quick questions. One, uh, if you could share, I guess this new person that got added, if it's a white person or a non-white person, it doesn't really matter as much. I was, I was just curious if you could give us uh, maybe one or two of the strategies that you use to neutralize conflict with this person, because that's so important. And then the other, was it when you reported about this initially, was it something uh, where the, the testing kits were not secure? Did you have a concern about the security of the test or is my memory bad? Those are my two quick questions. I'll answer the second question first. Uh, the, I didn't know what the testing kits were what, were, what was inside the testing kits. I was just told that these were COVID-19 testing kits. I had no understanding of uh, the security of the uh, testing kits, how they were uh, filled up, how they were uh, secured, basically. Uh, but I've since learned uh, in conversing with the, um, the owners of this company or the, uh, I guess, the, the people in charge of this company uh, that the uh, test kits are basically saliva test kits where a person uh, puts their saliva inside a vial, they uh, close the vial, then they put the vial inside a plastic baggie, which is uh, uh, interlocked, it's an interlocking uh, baggie. Um, so that was the concern at first. I didn't understand that process, but now I do. Uh, and I put them inside a uh, biohazard bag and seal it uh, to take it to the laboratory. That's why I feel much more secure on, and, and I've seen other uh, employees uh, do the same thing. They utilize gloves to uh, pick up the items and put them in a uh, biohazard bag. And I, I've seen the safety measures. So that's what made, and I certainly implement my safety measures by utilizing gloves and they've actually provided me gloves. So that's one of the reasons why I feel more comfortable uh, doing that particular job. And to answer your first question, the uh, person that was riding along with me is uh, a, a black female. Um, and I, it was nothing necessarily super overt in terms of her, um, uh, displaying some type of animosity toward me, but I could, uh, I felt within myself that uh, I didn't necessarily want someone um, riding along with me. It interrupted my ability to uh, listen to the cows programming. Uh, and I kind of resented that. And that person may have, uh, I guess, fed off of my energy or uh, sensed that energy for me. Uh, and, it's a, a female. And one of the things that I decided upon seeing that this is a black female was that I was going to be, uh, I, I was going to give her a lot of opportunity to, uh, offer input on what should go on, uh, uh, next without being, uh, fe without feeling like I'm taking orders or without, uh, 
basically um, giving off an attitude of telling her, to, uh, giving off an attitude that I wanted her to sit down and be quiet and not talk to me. I spoke to her uh, politely, being very professional uh, with her and uh, giving her uh, an opportunity to offer me feedback in terms of uh, how she wanted to conduct um, the business throughout the day. Does that answer your question? Hello, may I be heard? Oh, yes, sir. That answers the question. I was fidgeting with my mute button. Answers both of them. Awesome. That is super important skill for the workplace, being able to minimize conflict uh, with other non-white people uh, and even the self-awareness to like, man, you know, I had a great setup and doing it by myself. Man, I got to adjust. <laughs> she might have picked up on that and just to kind of make sure you can diffuse that and you know, giving her lots of input, like that is awesome. Loving being professional. That's something that right there, if it's a black person, I feel like that's the best thing that we can do. I'm going to be professional and courteous, professional courtesy with that black person, how I treat them being on time. He's part of that. Love it. That's always music to my ears. Uh, love it. I've been saying it for a while now. I think the correct way for this saying is, if you can't be early, be on time. Heard that repeatedly. That might put you in better standing on the plantation. Consistently being early. You can't be early. Be on time. Love it. Share how the, I hope, uh, I guess all that is, is great. You have a code for staying safe, and then that still seems to be better than having to transport other people. I just saw today, like literally about an hour, I can't even say hours, about an hour or so before we went live, they had a report that Lyft workers, they had like, it was like thousands of reports of all kinds of sexual abuse and what have you. So, man, talk about unsafe work environment, being in your vehicle and not being harassed and all the rest of it. Like, man, could have included that report as well. Maybe I will see how much time we have. Uh, the number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Both of our first two callers driving and a white person, or I won't say that, but I suspect a more powerful white person decided, hey, you should have someone else driving along with you. You need to help her. How interesting. Getting in emails as we roll here. Let's see. Next email. Okay, here we go. Uh, greetings, Mr. Renegade. I filed two separate reports on the arch deceiver race soldier on my job. 
I filed a report with the district that he was practicing white supremacy racism in bold letters. No pussyfooting with terms. I filed another report with the state of California for the same thing. White terrorism. The lady at the state office, a fellow victim of white supremacy, advised me that if the race soldier called me in for any reason after filing this report, it's considered retaliation. Wouldn't you know it, these suspected racists cannot help themselves. At 9 a.m. this morning, he sent me an email, there they go with the emails again, stating that he wants to meet with me for disciplinary reasons relating to last Thursday's meeting with him, where he states, I was disrespecting him. Underline that right there. (laughs) My union representative was present, and I just got off the phone with her, and she betrusted my contention that I was never rude to him. Well, today, after I meet with him, it will be documented as retaliation, and he and the district will have some explaining to do to the state. Let all the guests know that documentation, cell phone pictures, and the use of words are key to neutralizing these sinister racists. I will keep you posted. My representative told me that he is upset because I asked him to define the word logic, gesticulation, and insubordination. I was going to add disrespecting to it. Like, I have no idea what that means. (laughs) Is that a policy and procedure? (laughs) Disrespecting someone. let's, Let's have that explained, please. Anywho, uh... And he could not, oh, he couldn't, oh, 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 let me get that sentence. That's, man, I've had that one happen a few times where you have people where they get to accusing and charging and all the rest of it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What does that mean? Uh, man. So he asked, please define the word logic gesticulation and insubordination again i would add disrespecting and he could not like all these racists your program when caught in a lie they always attempt to circumnavigate the issue much obliged asking for terms to be explained is so important. What do you mean when you say insubordinate? What do you mean when you say disrespecting? I have no idea what that means, like at all. Excellent work. Just ask and calmly, just so that I can understand and improve in the workplace. What do you mean when you say insubordination and have your pen or recorder at the ready? Stenographer, make sure you get all this in detail because I'm going to read this part like five or six times (laughs) and we're ready to go. Anything else? 
policy and procedure doesn't make sense. COVID-19 policy and procedure doesn't make sense because that's been a whole lot of them. Ask the same thing. The email is untiljustice at gmail.com. The number is 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, let's see. The Some of the other folks who dialed in, hand up. You have commentary to share. Line should be open. Hello, can I be heard? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Greetings to Gus and all the listeners. Uh, my name is Ray. I'm calling from Dallas, Texas. And Gus, this is the third driver that you have on the line this evening. Um, uh, before I give my report, uh, the black male they called about the church, I suspect that the churches may be asking for vaccination, uh, records because most, uh, black churches I suspect are under the 501c3. So the federal government may be asking them to do that. I'm not sure. And uh, like the last black male they called, uh, I am able to listen to the cows and other counter-racist material while driving. So that is the plus. Now, on to my report. Uh, last Friday, I began, well, I've only trained this black male for one day. And this is probably the fifth black male that uh, I've been assigned to train and my uh, employer will not give me trainer pay. So at the end of the day, last week, Friday, I asked for trainer pay because, um, you know, let them tell it. I do my job quite efficiently. I'm one of the best, but you won't pitch me a few extra nickels. Uh, so, you know, I can be compensated for the training. So, uh, fast forward, here we are in the next week, uh, they uh, stick the blackmail with someone else and he's with a different trainer every day for this past week and uh, he and I have corresponded through text message and he's told me that he's not receiving adequate training and he is very frustrated with the job and is contemplating quitting. Now, that's the first part of my report. The second part, this past Wednesday, uh, my employer issued out pink T-shirts for uh, breast cancer awareness. And so Thursday morning when I, uh, well, let me rewind real quick. When I clocked out Wednesday, uh, there was a note on the uh, clock saying to wear your pink T-shirts the next day. So I'd already had it in my mind, I'm not wearing a pink T-shirt because I just don't want to wear a pink T-shirt. You know, no big deal, right? So Thursday, I come in to work, and the head of HR is there. Now, this is a non-white, non-black female, and there is a white uh, man supervisor there also. 
So then I have on my regular uniform and the uh, head of HR, the non-white, non-black female, she asks, you know, hey, Ray, where's your pink T-shirt? And so I'm kind of playing the loop like, you know, I never got one. You know, I got one, but I'm just not wearing it. And so she says, well, what size do you wear? I wear a 1X. So she walks to her office and she grabs a pink T-shirt and she hands it to me. And so I just toss it over my shoulder and I get ready to walk out. And she says, Ray, if you don't put on that pink T-shirt, I'm going to punch you in the face. Now, this is the head of HR that just told me that she's going to punch me in the face if I don't put on this pink T-shirt. And so this white man is sitting there, uh, supervisor, he's not over HR, but, you know, he's a white man, so he is over HR. He's sitting there laughing. So I'm just looking for some suggestions because I have to work tomorrow and I will see them and I would like to address this issue. I'll mute my line. My gosh. Now, I do need my uh, line for many reasons. However, sometimes it is because I'm cackling and, you know, I try to be composed for the most part uh, on the program and, you know, be mature if you're going to host. But, man, when you got to the point, the head of HR, if you don't put that shirt on, I am going to punch you in the <laughs> Good Lord. Um, I, I was thinking that this is just, you know, as they say, off the cuff. My response would have been, ooh, Jimmy, let me get that pencil. The head of HR just said she is going to punch me in the face. Right, date. I got witnesses. Lord, have mercy. Did you mean that? Can you repeat it again? <laughs> I got threatened, too. Like, ooh, like, for real. I would have written that down just to kind of like echo. Cause I mean, that should not be said. I don't care what it is like wearing pink sign, the birthday card, participate in, uh, what is it for Christmas? They call it white, the white elephant. I think whatever it is, the gift exchange, Christmas, Christmas thing. I don't care what it is. You're going to do this under threat of being assaulted. And by the head of HR, no less. Now, that's one. They talk about black male privilege. If this had been reversed, our old no count, I think we have a black male here. I could be in error. Uh, He can set us straight if that's not the case. But this old uh, black male. Okay. Got you. So we have a black male. He's head of HR. It's, you know, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and we got our pink paraphernalia. So, pardon oh, me, sir. You know, pardon me, hey, sir. I don't, I don't know. I'm sorry. The head, of H, the, the head of HR is a non-black, non-white female. I got you. Um, okay. In most cases, she would be classified as a Latino. Oh, okay, okay. No problem. So we have a non-white, non-black female classified as so-called Latina. 
she's going to be just, she'll be in your position, employee, and she doesn't have her pink shirt. Now, imagine him storming around. If you don't put that shirt on, I'm going to bash you in the face. Man, like, for reals, it would be, I witnessed it. In fact, 911, what's that call in for? Panic button, panic button. <laughs> he would have got, like, the sheriff would have been in immediately. Pepper spray, hand, like, are you serious? That's a, I, I would still, at least at this point, I would take what I said just because I think sometimes people just need to hear it repeated what they said. She can feel however she wants. You need to wear the shirt. This is important. Whatever. You're in human resources talking about punching someone in the face? Punching an employee in the face? In the workplace? And then other people giggling about this. I was, really? Wow. Let me write that down. Head of HR threatens to I got a witness to you saw it right there. I'm writing it down a date. Like I would have done that immediately. Now she could take that as a joke. I really would have wrote that down. Man, this is not the sort of thing that we should be joking about, especially now. All of the reports that they have talking about the Washington Redskins, toxic work environment and all the rest of it. We are not supposed to be joking about, you know, bashing people in the face. That's assault even if it's a female, toward the black male. We know everybody wants to bash the black male in the face. No count Dave Chappelle, Bill Cosby. That was, I almost got that one, too. They won't strike at Netflix. I almost got that one, too. In terms of what to do, before we got to the face bashing um, with the shirt, I would just say, I don't, I don't want to wear it. Is there, is there a reason that you can't just say, oh, no, I don't, I don't want to wear it. I support breast cancer, but, yeah, I just don't want to wear it. I don't, I don't generally do really bright colors and such like that. Pink just doesn't. Me and pink don't vibe like that. I just don't want to wear it. Is that not, can you not say that? I'm not sure, sir, but whenever I was asked that day, when uh, why I would not wear the T-shirt, my codified response would be because I'm not a real man. As you know, they say that real men wear pink. Well, I mean, that's the most honest statement I can make. I'm not a real man. So, you know, that day I made a stick. I see. Okay. Okay. I mean, now that's truthful. I always say, hey, if you're saying something that's true, hey, at least you can stand by that for all time. But, yeah, I mean, I would try and go as little as possible. Like, I just I just don't want to wear it. <laughs> Leave it at that. Like, I already have what I, you know, what I wear to work. I already have my clothes. I'm very set up. People would know that, right? Like I said before, I have a uniform. I wear the same thing. You all already know this. I wear the same thing, basically, every day. Not changing that up. Wouldn't even be anything to talk about. <laughs> Not changing that up. Right on for breast cancer month. But, yeah, I'm not changing that up. That's the one I would go with. And, you know, moving on. It's, I mean, we got Rona vaccines and staff shortages and air raids. We got many, many more important problems than 
whether or not a black male decides to wear a pink shirt. Uh, let's see. Now, as for the training component, that now, the head of HR or whomever would be the person to speak with, uh, what is the procedure for being compensated for training? That's got to be written down somewhere like, do you have to enroll or is this just a discretion thing where someone gets to decide which person gets compensated for training, which people just we do this on a volunteer basis? I would just want to get that in. Like, what's the protocol? That way I'll know. You have to fill out paperwork. What it is, what is it exactly? What's the deciding factor about who gets compensated for training? That way we all know. Is this, this might even be a policy and procedure. Let me know. What page is it on? I'll go check it out. They can break that down for me. That would be one. Uh, and then... The not being trained correctly for the black male that is so like old hat, stalest cliche you can think of. I mean, puppy for Christmas, like super, super old hat. White people practicing racism, old hat. Dog barks, old hat. Not training black people adequate. That was a. Uh, Last week, different driver. We said, hey, how did I get reprimanded for email? I didn't even get trained for email. I had to set up my own email. Standard operating procedure. And I think Mr. Fuller had said that's something that should be brought up immediately. When they get to reprimanding and you are about to be fired, buddy, and all the rest of them, whoa, 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 whoa. That's part of due process. Was I trained correctly for this? What I'm being, you know, chastised for now, accused of, was I trained correctly? Frequently, like 10 times out of nine, and that's the way I meant to say it. The answer, man, I was not trained correctly. In fact, I might have been sabotaged. That is very, very common. And in fact, I would say try to be proactive in requesting training. If there's a problem with the training, report it. Request to be retrained. We've had a number of folks who said that they got shoddy training. Request retraining. And if it's denied, record, document. This comes up later. I have not only a record, but I said I didn't get trained correctly. I requested retraining. It was denied. That can be helpful, but hopefully the training will be correctly, correct training in a timely manner. Hopefully that will be provided, uh, but that would be mine. Did any other folks have, have uh, suggestions? How do you deal with this? I think just, I just don't want to wear it. Yeah. It don't even have to say I don't want to yeah. wear it. I already have what I wear to work and I'm not changing, you know, I'm not changing my wardrobe. Thank you kindly, but this is what I wear to work. Anybody with suggestions on the shirt or the training? Yes, can I be heard? Yes, sir. Yes, this is Nick over the road. Welcome, everyone. Um, I always, I'm, I'm real. Um, I'm a. I will pull out the employee manual. If there's a, a specific uniform that you wear, all other items are excluded. Even if they come and post a sign, you have to sign off 
saying that, okay, I agree to wear this shirt. If you don't sign off on it, what you signed when you got hired is what you are obligated to do. And you could just simply say, I don't want to violate the uniform policy that's in, that I, you know, signed to. And, and yeah, that, that's it. And that also includes the training. When I was in EMS, I had to go to school to learn how to train EMTs and paramedics. That's like a specific skill that you have to have. So if they haven't trained you to train people, that could be another way that you could, you know, kind of shut them up. I yield. I'm you online. Yeah, gosh, if I can say, because um, I had similar experiences. This is Vicky from New Jersey, where uh, I was considered one of the great drivers. I will always get stuck training uh, somebody. But however... I never declined and I never was compensated with any uh, uh, pay for doing this training. But I had other employees, other coworkers, basically straight out say, like, listen, I declined. Like, do not put anybody in a truck with me. I'm not training anybody. And those people that said that never was assigned to anybody a new employee employee that needed training. So maybe that Oh, are you still there? Victim in New Jersey? Yes, yes I'm still there. Oh, okay. Well, were you done? Yes, I'm done. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Much obliged. Uh, now that's interesting. I hadn't, I don't know if I'd heard that before people just saying, you know, I do not want to train anybody. Do not put any trainees uh, in the truck with me or in the work area. I do not want to train anyone. And that was just that <laughs> like, wow, that might be one to consider to say that as well, especially if you're not going to be compensated for this. as well as the point that our previous caller, Nick on the road, where he says, hey, have I been trained to train? Because that could end up being a problem. If I haven't been trained to do this adequately, and then they say, oh, well, you've been mistraining people and all the rest of it. So that's also something to, but which could go back to what was just said, hey, I have not been trained to train others. Do not place anyone with me for training purposes. And then once you get trained for it, then that makes it much easier. Like, hey, I've been trained to do this. I should be compensated, right? Maybe that's the best way to handle it. Like, that's that's awesome. Either either they train you to do this correct, pay you for it, you add that on your resume, or, yeah, I just don't do this at all because, yeah, I don't want to be charged with doing this incorrectly. I don't even know how to do this adequately. Then I feel bad. I sent someone off to start a new job and they're off to a bad foundation because of me. Because can I add that Monday I spoke with a white man supervisor about receiving compensation for training and a male who also trains but is not being compensated for it was brought up in the conversation. Like this black male, well, he trains and, and he doesn't ask for the compensation. And, you know, I'm like, well, that's him. And 
I want to be compensated for it. So, yeah. Now, you see how, in my view, you see how tacky that is? United Independent. He could have, I'm sure there are other white people there who probably get paid for training. That might have been why he didn't mention them. Uh, but, oh, well, your brother down the hall, he trained 50,000 people. He's never asked for a nickel. That is well and fine, sir. I'm inquiring about me. <laughs> and the question is, am I going to be paid for training? Compensated, as they say. And if not, why? And like I said before, what is the procedure? Yeah, do you all have a training? Make sure I'm doing this correctly. That way I'm official, so it should be real easy to make sure that I'm compensated for this because you know I'm certified. Love it. Love it. <laughs> you either get compensated for it. And don't be surprised about that. I said that on the program. A lot of times white people, when they come here, they'll reference some dead black person. It's, oh, you, you're talking crazy. You know, it'll be any old dead black person who had whatever view on white supremacy, racism. And are you disagreeing with them? Absolutely not. John down the hallway, Miss Johnson over in the other cubicle, Mrs. Roberts, she works the morning route. That's her decision. I'm just inquiring about me. And if I have any sort of uh, relationship with Miss Roberts or any, Mrs. Roberts, any of the other folks, I might drop a word to them. Uh, you should be getting compensated for training. But that's if we are cordial. <laughs> we have some sort of relationship. If that doesn't exist, well, then, hey, victims guaranteed qualified. We're united independent, and they can make their own decisions. If they want to volunteer their time to train, that's on them. White people trick a lot of us. Dupe, that was the word used. Racist dupe a lot of us into volunteering our time, expertise, brilliance, and not being compensated for it. A lot of times they are stealing. That's exactly when you dupe somebody to their deficit. That's just stealing, lying, master deceivers. Let me make sure I get in all the emails. Uh, let's see. The picture. They'll come punch you in the face to make you put this picture, and then come back and tell you that's black male privilege. Yes. Uh, 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 uh. Next email. Okay, so we had uh, King Cobra before. He's getting a CDL, and they were doing lots of mistreatment. He even trying to poison his uh, food and what have you. And he said some of this was pending. He had to make sure he got his license, and then he could do more in terms of reporting. So he wrote in with the update. <clears throat> I have passed my CDL. Bravo. In spite of all of that, it can be even more difficult to think at your best and do your best on these tests when you're not being nourished correctly uh, and being poisoned. Uh, I can report the racist suspect to the proper health organization. Thank you all for the constructive information. King Cobra, love it. Congratulations. Drive safely. Uh, email is untiljustice at gmail.com. Uh, let's see if we any other suggestions and or if folks have uh, their own uh, situation to share. The number is 
7300. Decode 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, let's see, folks that we missed totally, uh, get your line. And again, as I said, if we have folks, if you have suggestions, if any of the folks who have shared thus far, uh, or if you have your own situation, uh, let's see, line should be open. One second, I'll get the folks who still have a hand up. Let's see. All right. Other folks who dialed in with a hand up, line should be open as well. Folks that we've missed, if you have commentary, proceed. Can I be heard? Greetings. Think that's Z's mom. Yes, this is her. Um, hello, everyone. Hope everyone's doing as well as they can be. Um, well, I wanted to respond first to um, Ray's um, inquiry about the training. I, I mean, this. I think the um, suggestions given were, were really good. I would say maybe if you have the original job posting for your job, it usually um, gives the, you know, the responsibilities and duties required. And if it's not there, then, you know, you're contractually, like, not held to do anything not on there. So if there's no, if there's nothing on there that says, like, hey, you need to work, you need to, you know, responsibility is doing train providing training for um incoming employees then you are not required to do that so i think that's that's another thing you can possibly say um for me i just wanted to give some more updates on um my i guess starting substitute teaching so i still haven't started and it's actually it, it really makes sense why so many people are homeless because it takes so long for the onboarding once you actually get a job to even start and then i'm learning now that once i start i won't actually get paid for possibly two months and um tomorrow they scheduled everyone who was recently hired for a five-hour orientation on a saturday that is not paid so that's, uh, luckily it's through Zoom, so I can still get stuff done while I'm um, in the orientation, but I just find it to be very telling um, what type of job this is, is and, and what they think about me and my time. Um, and then 0526 wanted to say something. Greetings, guys, and listeners. <coughs> I will have some suggestions for, um, this situation. Um, I recently had uh, my uncle get out of greater confinement after being in there for almost 35 years. And uh, I'm just seeing if people have any um, uh, suggestions for how to get him um, employed, if they know about any um, programs. We are um, based in um, California. But yeah, that, that's my um, question for everyone. Hmm. Much obliged, uh, everybody. Let's see. Hmm. 
while I'm thinking for Z's mom, that is common with many jobs where it can take a very long time uh, to be compensated. Uh, and for many, especially it seems for a lot of the lower paying jobs and what have you, that can be the case. Now, I suspect that might be one of the things that folks are trying to accelerate right now with all these signing bonuses, since they keep saying that they're having so many labor shortages uh, that, you know, people are saying that they're not willing to take a job. Maybe where you got to wait two months before you get any nickels. Uh, the unpaid orientation, that, in my view, is a red flag. Orientation to a job is critically important. This is not like volunteer because exactly what you said, like, hey, I can take, you know, my computer or whatever, get some work done during all this. Like, that is not. And I mean, that's intelligent. You're taking time out of a Saturday, no less. I could be with my daughter. We could be making vegan brownie, anything, sleeping late, whatever. You know, I got to be here doing five hours of orientation that's unpaid enormous, exactly what she said, like, you're telling me a lot about this organization. And that is, at least in my, I think at least in my personal work experience, that is unheard of. Like, I've been with companies where we had like two weeks of orientation that was paid. Like, that was eight hours all day long for two weeks, all of it paid. I've been with other uh, organizations where it was the same thing, where it might not have been that long, but still, you know, paid orientation. They Part of it is because if you have to sit for that long, I don't care if it's five hours or five days, if you have to sit for that long, you should maybe be paying attention to this. Like, not thinking, whatever, y'all are paying me. Like, I'm going to be getting stuff done. Like, that's not the attitude that I would want to inspire in my workers. Let me compensate them for their time so that, hey, pay attention. This is important. This is where we go over how you get paid for training. Six sick leave. If there's this a dispute about your compensation for the pay period, all of that is going to be covered. What the COVID-19 policy is going to be. All of the important stuff is right here. Take notes. Ask questions. That's the way that orientation is supposed to be. Not this is unpaid. So, you know, whatever. Super red flag. Uh, so back to the question, 35 years, like, wow, that is, woof. I'm sure we have many folks who have not even been alive 35 years, um, which could be a problem in and of itself, like, wow, in terms of, you know, what can, what can you do? that sort of thing. I was even thinking the COVID-19 is probably just a bit more challenging uh, because it might be that you have to be vaccinated. I don't know if your uncle is vaccinated. Um, might have more restrictions for an older population. I would think if he's been incarcerated for 35, he can't be like a teenager. So it might be a bit more challenging for someone who's a little older. Um, they might have fewer resources because of the COVID-19 too. Uh, but I would think, yeah, a lot of it is, you know, what what are his interests? What does he want to do? Uh, and then just trying to, in terms of the area where you are, 
I'm sure they would have programs. It would just be a map, maybe getting online and finding out the type of programs that are available in that part of California and then seeing what's available considering the conditions of right now. Again, thinking like, I don't know if he's vaccinated or not, but that probably would be a major hindrance in California because that's one of those places where they got the, the In-N-Out burger. They just shut that down in San Francisco over the vaccine. They said the employees were not checking vaccine status, so they shut the restaurant down. So that could be a major obstacle, like if he, you know, is not jabbed and is not willing to do that. Um, I have to check in with folks. We do have listeners in the California area. If they know of any resources. And I would say check online. Have you done that? Checked online to see if they have resources, jobs for folks who are out of greater confinement? Um, I, I found the um, homeboy, homeboy uh, industries. They do work with um, formerly incarcerated people. Um, I haven't um, gave them. Um, I haven't notified them, but that's from my research. I've been able to come across. Uh, but I just started today. I just got the information today that he was a uh, release. Hmm. Okay. I'm sure there are programs and such. It would just be a matter of checking for California. You're part of Cal. That's such a big state too. You're part of California, and then seeing what type of programs that they have that are available, and going from there. Um, yeah, I'll see if I can chat with some of our listeners, see if they know any information as well. Uh, if you have any folks, you can drop me an email untiljustice at gmail dot com, and I can forward along if you know of any programs in the California area, either if you reside there or. Uh, have any time to look online, that would be awesome until justice at gmail.com. Uh, let's see. Other folks, uh, observations, uh, thoughts to share. Uh, line should be open. Proceed. Uh, this is Nick over the road. Yes, sir. Can you hear me, Gus? Oh, okay. Yeah, um, actually, the state of California actually give employers money to hire people who are incarcerated, um, get uh, welfare and, and whatnot. I think they pay up to 10000 if they keep them for six, um, a year and a half. Um, I don't remember the name of the program, but I'm pretty sure you could Google it. Um, actually, they asked that question on some applications. Um, when you fill them out, like if you've been previously incarcerated on parole, probation, get public assistance or whatnot. And on another note, um, the the, um, the gentleman that was doing the delivery for the COVID vaccines, um, I'm just maybe thinking that they probably put that additional person with him as a way of training her. Um, I'm not sure if she's still with him. Or if that's maybe even a uh, that may be possible that they might have put her with him to get her trained um, without paying him to train her. Um, I'll be my line. That could be kind of a sneaky way. Another way, as you said, you don't have to compensate him. 
And yeah, she'll learn the ropes of the job, get some OJT. And yeah, two birds with one stone. Could be. We'll have to see how long, like maybe a few weeks or whatever it is, see if, if they're still working together or if this is a short-term thing. Uh, let's see. Let me bug in through the emails and make sure get in our last one for the moment. So this is the person, same person who wrote in at first talking about he filed the report. They retaliated against him, and he asked them to, you know, define what they were saying. Given one more, he writes, Greetings, Gus. After I filed my discrimination complaint on Monday, a race soldier retaliated against me by changing my work schedule and gave me a written reprimand, stating I was rude to him in the hearing when I was just asking questions and gesticulating with my hands. I asked him if he knew the meaning and the etymology of the word insubordination, and that pissed him off. Anyhow, I filed my complaint with the state and they told me that his latest actions constitutes retaliation. Thanks to you and your listeners, documentation, that word again, taking pictures and use of words is key to neutralizing these race soldiers. Document, 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 very important. And then just asking questions. Now, they might try and do what he wrote about. He's asking questions, and they say that's insubordination. What do you mean when you say insubordination? Be specific. You mean to say I was being insubordinate by asking questions, clarifying policy and procedure? That's being insubordinate? Wow. So you're not allowed to ask about which, which I guess might be insubordination because you are again asking about policy and procedure. But I just want to make sure I'm clear here. Asking about policy and procedure is not allowed. Is that what you're saying? Asking questions sometimes can take care of a whole lot of things. Make it clear. The email is untiljustice at gmail.com. The number 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, let's see. Other folks uh, dialed in, hand up. Commentary to share. Give folks a moment to collect their thoughts. Uh, I would say any any of the shirts that they have because we've heard that for like election season and for different 
little campaigns and slogans and things that come around. Might even be a sports team thing. Like we're here in the Seattle area, they got the new hockey team, so they want to celebrate the Kraken or, you know, commemorate the Seahawks or whatever it is. Like that might just be standard policy too. I'm not doing any of that. If it's political, the union, the Seahawks, like I don't care if they go back to the Super Bowl, like I'm wearing the clothes that I brought to work. That's it. Not, you know, getting in some costume uh, for the workplace and just make that known and be consistent about that. I'd said before, like not going to work as part of, you know, this is not my fashion display uh, and all of that. If you have a uniform that you wear, I'm wearing my uniform. <laughs> like if this is not a part of our uniform, I'm wearing the uniform. If we wear our own clothes, thank you. I'm good. I have my own clothes. Let's ride. Like that would just be policy. Like I'm not putting on some crazy get up just because this is, you know, every day if it's a company shirt that would be different but if it's like you know it's a pink company shirt that they're trying to slick uh something in like, eh, i'm good i'm just gonna wear normal clothes company paraphernalia that would be different you can just if you have the company shirt or what have you you put their t-shirt it's just a normal shirt the normal company logo or name or whatever that's fine but like anything beyond that like nah i'm good and even I'd have to think about that, like someone saying in a workplace context, you don't put this on, I'm going to assault you. Why is it that important? Like, really? Are we doing like a group photo all with our pink shirts on for breast cancer? Do you all get money? Is someone like pledging a certain amount based on how many employees are wearing their pink shirt today? Like, tell me something. Like, you all normally don't care this much about what I wear, or do you? Because <laughs> like, I, didn't, I didn't know that. Is this that big a deal normally? People get assaulted over what kind of loafers I come in here with? Tell me something. Tell me something. Let's see. Uh, other folks with either observations, comments, COVID-19 problems, uh, they want to make sure they get in. Hey, Gus, I'm going to email you a photo of the T-shirt. You may find it of interest, sir. Emailing it now. <laughs> yes, sir. Until justice at gmail.com. See, that's, nah, I'm good. Not wearing anything. I'm good. That's the same thing with the food. Folks who uh, were talking about they had to go to a white person's residence. Oh, I think that might have been the same. Or no, previous caller who was talking about he had to go to pick up the medical supplies, like, bedrock codification uh, for the workplace. And if you have to go to someone's residence, that's the workplace too. Nah, I'm good. Oh, we just made brownies. Nah, I'm good. Smoothie? Nah, I'm good. You sure we're just sitting down for dinner? Nah, I'm good. Just came to get the supplies or deliver the package or whatever it is. I'm good. I have a job. I can afford my own clothes. I can afford my own food. Thank you kindly. And it's Corona too. Like even that's still like they got vaccine mandates and all the rest. Like I am not ready to just be, you know. Even if that wasn't the case, it would still be now. I'm good, but with the Rona, extra super special good. I can't even believe this. We got back to that share and so quickly. Like whoa, whoa, whoa. Got hand sanitizer everywhere, and I still got to wear a mask to go to the grocery. I got to have proof of vaccine and a mask to go to the grocery store. Um, Eat your potluck. Uh, 
Uh, let's see. Other folks, uh, commentary to share. May I be heard? Caller in. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Dust, the host, the listeners, and callers. Uh, I have some reports I'd like to share to everyone. Um, these first two occurred at the uh, post office. Um, this first one uh, was a black female victim. So I was trying to offer some words of encouragement, just something simple. You know, have a nice day. I'll see you tomorrow. You know, take care of the basics. So I was picking up the mail for the uh, courthouse. And apparently she was still sorting the the envelopes to, uh, to go to the university, to go to the city and to the, uh, the courthouse. And she was kind of like uh, frustrated. And she was just saying, man, these people here, you know, they doing all type of stuff. And I don't know what they want me to do. And she said, um, but I just need to just take a break from them or something. And I said, well, just try and make the best decision for yourself or something like that. I said, uh, you know, make a constructive decision. And she said, said, hey, listen, I think I only got about six more months in me because I don't want to be locked up or something like that. So I thought that was very interesting. So it was like, that's that's about as much she said she had in her, I guess, to deal with uh, that particular job at the the uh, downtown post office. And you know, I just pretty much just left after that because he was basically implying that she was going to go to jail. I guess off of um, you know doing some kind of harm, I guess, to someone. I, I guess. I guess that's what she was implying. Uh, second one was um, an entitled white man who I think was extremely racist and possibly under the influence of some kind of drug. I was walking back to the vehicle, the company vehicle, and you know those drop boxes, USPS, uh, he was on a bicycle and he was trying to insert some envelopes into the slot of the uh, drop box. So he was like, you know, said, Hey man, they need to, they need to come out here and replace this. They need to come out here. And I, well, what I meant to say, they need to come out here and, and, and take some of this mail out and empty it. This is full to capacity. You know, I say, yeah, that's what it looks like. Yes, sir, or something like that, I said. And I just kept walking. And he had the nerve to say, oh, well, why don't you why don't you turn around and go ask him why you're at it or something? I said, I said, no, I'm not. I got to get back to the office. So he started yelling something. I couldn't really understand it. And then some white man came walking by, and then he tried to, harass him 
So I just pretty much got back in the vehicle and got out of there. So he was trying to direct me, you know, going back in there and tell him, you know, <laughs> like, no, nah, I'm not about to do that. Like, what's wrong with you? So that was like number two. Uh, number three was the uh, a white female judge made a comment like I was getting onto the elevator uh, and I thought to get onto the elevator. So uh, she said, oh, no. So, you know, you, you know, blank, I don't ride those elevators, but if I like to be stuck on the elevator with anyone, it would be with you. So I said, uh-oh. And I just, <laughs> I went up the, uh, you know, the elevator. I got on the elevator. So obviously that was sexual. Um, number four, uh, there was a customer, right? Um, he was taking a passport picture. Now I took, the photograph of the of his wife, you know, thumbnail of that. So that went well, and he sat on the stool, and then I was about to take the picture, you know, and I just said the word, you know, awesome or whatever, as I was about to take the picture, like you know, that's good, you know, I'm about to take a picture. That's just the right uh, position because they have to be, you know, sitting up or whatever for you to take the photograph. So after I take the picture, he's like, said, man, thanks. You know, uh, it's good to be referred to as awesome because, you know, my wife, she uh, she doesn't compliment me like that. Only thing she really says to me is uh, whenever I walk the dog in the morning. So she's over there laughing. Right. So this dude, he adds in a metaphor and he says, uh, you know, this reminds me of Mike Tyson. Right. You know, Mike Tyson used to have these uh, these, I guess he said bodyguards or guys traveling with him saying, Mike, you the man, you the man, you the man. So I said, OK. <laughs> so. So, I, you know, I just had to write that down. You know what I mean? So I'm having these kinds of interactions with customers at times. So I found that interesting. Um, there was a supervisor meeting that was set by the top boss, white person. And my connection to hearing what happened in that meeting um the word segregation I heard was used again. And she said to me that she thought it was codified with majority white uh, supervisors and assistant supervisors in the meeting. And they were saying things like using words like morale and using, having respect, treating others the way you like to be treated. So I think this was their first step at, uh, trying to so-called trying to address the racial issues, particularly in our building, because that's where they are pretty much, because that's what a gang click is. So a lot of them obviously were spread 
in the uh in the in the room for the meeting so the warden and the top boss look like they don't even really get along from what the victim was describing to me um and she said she she said it looked like it was orchestrated for her to call out her white female friends to um to make commentary on how's it going in their departments and everything so it was a lot she was sharing with me on that that i thought was interesting and apparently she's saying that there's more issues coming up about public records requests and things like that and it was a convoluted email that was vague um that i plan to really go meet up with the supervisor to talk about but i think she did that on purpose uh that she don't like to provide context and details especially if the email going to me because she knows i'm gonna she knows i'm gonna ask questions uh and i have two more um okay so we had the alice trainer and i already said that i wasn't going to go to this because like male you know i have afro goatee i have a beard you know what i mean like six foot and all of that so i already know y'all are going to target me i'm going to be the nigga y'all going to say that i'm i'm going to be the demonstrative example and what came to fruition um the other day like on wednesday uh the racist sergeant this now this was after my mom went to one of the classes and she said the black male was called a big fella we're gonna get the big fella right here and he's gonna be the person i want y'all to grab on so now i have an image of three blonde haired women grabbing on this dude. Now he didn't even want to, he didn't even want to go up there. Right. So he just did it anyways. Um, now they tried to be slick. Okay. Because they got him to get up there with no firearm. They just wanted to grab on him. Just, you know, you're a big fella, you know, really he a black fella. So you come up here and y'all just go up there and grab on him. And she described that the black female was very uncomfortable because this image uh, is what's taking place is, I think, very invasive. And it was made to humiliate this black male. And he is the court director, right? You know, tall guy, whatever. Um, so I'm saying that to say that the racist, uh, the race soldier, sergeant, he says, you know, I can't wait for you to come over there. I was like, no, I already know what's going on. Don't stop. So, well, I'll tell you what. Um, if you come over there, guess what? I'll let you be the active shooter. And I say, man, that's why I'm not going over there. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you can't fool me. So he started laughing, you know. And uh, I said, I already know what the plan is. So at the end of the day, I go to the top white person in front of the warden, in front of the other black lady. And I said, and I repeated it. So I said, man, I had one of the most, uh, uh, 
um, vicious acts of injustice occur that violated my safety. And I, w- I would like this to be addressed. Um, and I said that the sergeant, and I said his name, he, uh, he said that he couldn't wait for me to come over the training because if you do, I'll make a deal with you that you could be the active shooter. And then he said that, well, the shooter doesn't get hit with anything, you know, but we'll be able to take them down. So you, you could just see like the depression, like you could see the disappointment in this guy's face. Okay. Um, like, cause nobody, they never go to him. You know, they always go to the HR lady. So she looking all afraid and, you know, I didn't try to be rude or nothing. I said, I just needed to speak to you. So I just said that to him. Uh, and he said, he's going to handle it immediately. and He's going to speak to him. Um, so I hadn't talked to him and I haven't seen the guy. So I don't know, maybe they sent them away or he got suspended. I, I don't know. Um, and I, I just wanted to read something um, from our website from a restriction. Uh, it's about a restrictive covenant for a subdivision. And it says no person, no persons of any race other than the Caucasian race shall use or occupy any building or any lot except that this covenant shall not prevent occupancy by domestic servants of a different race domiciled domiciled with an owner or tenant. So like that's the only way somebody non-white could even be allowed in the subdivision for this particular. And then this is actually worded on a lot of these covenants from the 1940s and 50s. So I had just read that the other day and I wanted to share that. And um, that would be all I have to share. Thanks for allowing me to speak. Wow. That is awesome. Counter racist sleuthing. I told y'all like, man, once I found out they got the archives down at the courthouse, Gus would have been fired. Like if I worked there, even like custodial staff, they had me working in the segregated section I would have been fired. They'd have been like, have y'all seen Gus? Is he here today? Did he come in? You know where he is? Is he on lunch? I haven't seen him in three. He's in the archives again. That's the let that I'd have been fired. Like, wait a minute, just 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 five more minutes. Just five more minutes. Just 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 five minutes to check. I just want to see. Did you see this here? And did you hear that? Now see, you can't tell me that's somebody that's ignorant about race because that's so specific. You got to be white to live here, buy this property, rent, whatever it is. However, we do know that we all need a little nigger help from time to time. So if you got a maid, servant, whatever it is, lawn jockey, they can hang out as long as we got a white tenant. You can't tell me you got enough white people to get that codified and that's an official document. Ignorant about what what do you mean racism? What what is that what are you talking about? I don't know nobody we're ignorant about it. 
Come on, man. You cannot be white and ignorant about racism. What do you say? You will get in, sell that property to a non-white person if you want to. You will get in trouble with other white people. Good sleuthing. Let's see. On, not that that was not serious, but a more serious note. Uh, the young lady at the post office, like, and I thought that was important because the post office, they've had so much strain and talking about the future of the post office, and now we got to slow down services. So I'm, I suspect she might have unruly customers if they, you know, with all the different problems and things that they're experiencing at the post office and then all the stress that people have anyway. I don't know if people are coming in and being rude and sassy with her about things or what, but and increase in prices. But man, they have talked so much about mental health and how this has been such a strain on everyone. That's so specific to be at a job. And I mean, that's like, man, I go home and look at the clock, look at the calendar, dread going back. I have figured out about how many days I think I can continue to work here. Like that is serious, especially if it's sounding like, you know, I might be in trouble, you know, after assault, punch somebody in the face, like for real that, I mean, they, they say the metaphors in the culture go postal. Seems like that might be kind of a stressful job anyway, under normal circumstances for some people, much less, under this extraordinary two years. That is, I mean, just, you know, it's much you can do. You're in a work capacity too. So, I mean, you don't know her just to try to console as you can, but be mindful of that. They have talked so much about mental health and suicide rates and all the rest. Like, man, really try to look out for black people, victims of racism uh, who might be showing signs that this is getting to them a little bit. This has gotten to a lot of people all over the world. How could it not? Uh, Speaking of getting to, you walk outside, just trying to exit the post office. A race soldier, for all we know, he could be tampering with the mail, like trying to slip a bomb in, who knows. Uh, he's tampering and can't work the but they need to come out here and fix the box. That's the sort of thing I don't even break stride for, like random posts, because it's just nobody talks to me in public for construct, constructive purposes. They're not trying to stop me and, you know, we got coupons to Starbucks or anything like that, free veggie burgers, like nothing, like nothing. Like, so I don't even break stride. Uh, they need to come out here and get the, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> just keep on walking, get to the vehicle. Hey, why don't you go in there and like, do what? That's what the covenant said. We know you're accustomed to having, you know, a little lawn jockey. The Negro slaves might need to live with you and help you get things done. Go in there and, and get the mail. Go in there and tell them to come out. It's like, don't even break stride. I'm out of here. And, I would encourage folks, don't even say a word because, like, you have no idea 
Does he have a firearm? Whatever else. I'm not, it's the Rona still around. I'm not trying to argue with this person. Keep it moving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then he starts arguing with somebody else. Yep. Mm-hmm. Getting out of the parking lot. Terrorist at work. Like I said, he could have been messing with the mail to begin with. Uh, let's see. The man, Cowbell, uh, he said, I think it was the judge comes out. Mm-hmm. If I was going to be stuck in the elevator with anybody. Mm-hmm. It would be you. Now, that's another one. Same thing I said with the uh, caller who dialed in talking about the, the HR head comes out. And says, if you don't put that shirt on, I'm going to punch you in the face. Now, imagine black male coming to anybody, black female, Latina female, black male even. Maybe you could get away with it there, maybe. But imagine that being tolerated in a workplace. Imagine caller in Florida, and he goes to the white judge. Hmm, if I was going to be stuck in the elevator with anybody. It would be you. Panic button, panic button. (laughs) Like, we got to do the drill for real. Like, jump on him, jump on him. We practice just like we practice. Like, uh, come on, come on. Uh, And blackmail privilege, that's what they say. Male privilege. Uh, And I don't even know how that's supposed to be uh, received. If I was going to be stuck on the, like, Was that even a compliment? Like, what? Let's see. Nick, was it a black male when you were doing the photograph and you were just saying awesome? Was that a black male or did I miss? Am I mistaken? No, that, that was a, that was a white married couple. It was white, a white couple. Woman. Okay. It was a it was a white woman first. And then it was a white man with the uh, Florida Gator shirt on, or orange Gator shirt. Hmm. Okay, that's wow. All that over, awesome. I don't get any sort of encouragement. Stop when it's time to take out the dog. And then the Mike to like what? Mike Tyson, you're the like what? Like, what is going on? Like, and they both were laughing. All right. (laughs) Oh, they. (laughs) White man and white woman. Huh. We were just trying to get the picture taken, and now we're off talking about Mike Tyson. Hmm. I didn't even say that you're the man, although that is, you know, welding moment. I agree. I just said awesome. Trying to get the picture. (laughs) Hmm. Welding moment. Uh, All right. They say now. Those segments. Way, way back at the beginning uh, of the broadcast, we had the audio where 
Charleston Cuesta. That's her name. She was saying, that's so long ago, I'm having to flip through page to go all the way back. Cameron Cuesta, that's it. Cameron Cuesta. She said she thought that her supervisor was retaliating. And they said, well, that can't be because the supervisor didn't know that she filed this report. So there was no way for her to retaliate, come back and try to, you know, make, take some sort of disciplinary measure out against you. And I said, hogwash, white people, they do all that unjust networking. They talk amongst themselves. Uh, I call in Florida all the time, years now. He's talked about the click. They go around and they do all this messaging and texting, have even gotten in trouble for it, have been reprimanded, you know, for all this. This is widespread, part of white culture, especially in the workplace. So this one, I think he had told us last week, he had used the term segregation in a report talking about producing justice, incorrect things happening. Lo and behold, they come back. They're going to have resumption of, uh, I guess, their in-person group meetings that have been replaced via Zoom for a long time. They come back and, hey, the warden gets up. Before, we were all segregated. Now we're back together. Like, what? When did you start using that term? Suggesting that there's been some discussion on just networking. Now it pops up again. What is going on? Was segregation, was this word like liberally in use at the courthouse before my report or, or now everybody? We got to find a new way to talk about segregation. Having rice and beans, but they're segregated today. I don't have them all mixed in. Word usage, white people are generally deliberate, purposeful. Uh, about the words that they choose, when they invoke them, especially in the workplace. And then the audacity to talk about uh, morals, ethics, just get to justice, <laughs> just justice. That will do plenty. Uh, and then the audacity to do all that song and dance and morals and blah, blah, blah. And then you want the big fella. You be the perpetrator and we'll jump on you. So bad, she, he said the black female who I guess was there and seeing all this, she felt uncomfortable in viewing it all. I mean, I could see back in the day being confused. Oh, my fault. Yes, sir. So, sorry about that, Gus. But I, but while you're on that part, I wanted to add some other details because the the black female she works at the other courthouse, uh, and the um, the black male he was very uncomfortable. Um, apparently, where it was by by. A uh, non-white, non-black female, and she made the comment and saying that, well, hey, if we were to have a, you know, uh, an active shooter event, we can just hide behind him. So that's dehumanizing him. 
and he was apparently told to just keep walking forward while all of these majority white women are holding him down and he had to stand on the other side of the door and prevent people from, I guess, opening it or whatever or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, he was definitely just, in, in my view, just um, being mistreated. And I think what they did, they had a white woman hold a Nerf gun uh, and they had mostly females go jump onto her to apprehend her. But this, he didn't have, a, he didn't have a weapon. They just said that he's a big fella. So he's black. Okay. So that, that's the weapon, I guess. I guess he's a metaphor or whatever. He, they didn't give him no weapon or nothing, but it's Alice training up. So that is incredibly racist. And I just, I wanted to just add that, those details. Dang. Black male privilege, uh, again, down in Florida. Uh, that would be another one, like, I would decline. I guess it's hard to know, you know, exactly what all this is going to entail, but, like, I do not want to participate. I pulled the Ben Simmons on them. I guess you put that in workplace racism. I don't want to participate. Like, I'm, like, I'm cool. I'm going to spectate on this one. You see how you all handle this one. He doesn't have a weapon. That's another Welsing moment. I know she was there. He has a weapon. His genitals. <laughs> that's why they gave her a gun. Yes, sir. Didn't give him anything. He's just a big fella. And then... If something happens, we'll just hide behind him. Wow. Does my life mean anything? Like, you know, we're not, let's all get to safety? No, we'll just hide behind him. Now, again, back when I was confused about racism, white supremacy, I could see me hearing some of this and thinking, oh, yeah. I'm a big black male, and yeah, ha, 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 yeah, hide behind. I mean, all of that is retarded. All that means is you will be first in line to be shanked. And they'll pretend that they cared about you. They Maybe you'll get a plaque underneath the water fountain. Maybe. They'll name a, put your name where the plastic cup dispenser is. They don't have plastic cups anymore, the the uh, green, planet-friendly, disposable cups. Maybe put a little placard with your name there. But, I mean, what in the world? All of it. Why? And that's another one. They have people, if they're going to have these sort of uh, trainings, what to do, disaster preparedness, emergency preparedness, how to handle an intruder, that type of thing, they have people that conduct training. They have folks that they bring along. That's what they do. Like, I am the professional intruder. So you jump on me and, you know, I have a nurse gun or whatever it is or a knife or all kinds of things. And I'm, you know, ready. I've got my costume and all that good stuff. No. You get volunteers from the workplace to do this. Let's see. Who are we going to get? Uh, the Negro. Yes. Yes. You'll do. All right. And we're all going to leave. And then to have all these white women. Now, that's another one you can reverse. 
Now, could you ever imagine a world? They have a white woman, and then we're going to have all these black people go jump on her. I don't think so. Now, I guess you could say, hey, we want to get the biggest person. I don't know. Jeffrey Dahmer is not enormous. He's not like Shaquille O'Neal does. Hey, Jeffrey Epstein is not that big if you really want to talk about things. So I don't know that you necessarily need to have the largest person to demonstrate, you know. You could get anybody just to go over whatever is supposed to happen, whatever you want people to do in this situation. But, I mean, all of that, that might even be a cowbell right there, too. I thought the elevator situation was a cowbell. That might be two cowbells. Yeah. We're going to get the black male and then have all these white women. Now, grab him. Grab him. Hold him. And on the image, they were grabbing his leg, and it was close to where his genitals are. Okay. Black male privilege. That's a, feel free to decline, you know. And if you, you know, started, they pick you for an exercise and you think this is going to be something professional, hey, black self-respect, halt. I do not feel comfortable. I do not want to participate in this anymore. Very simple. You don't have to explain, talk about all that later. Just halt. I no longer wish to participate. And excuse yourself from the exercise. You can even throw my word in there. I no longer feel safe participating. And that's that. And that even now, this was literal and extra degrading, racist, all the rest of it. I remember, I think he said before. They were just talking metaphorically. Now, if we were going to have a burglar and he was going to go break, let's see. Yeah, you talking about the call here. Yeah, let's let's say he is the is the burglar who's going to break into your house and steal all the value. Right. And then yeah. they said, "Oh, see, see, I thought I remembered that." And then they come back, and this. Black, or excuse me, he says, the white person says, oh, man, we want you to come over there. You won't get hit or anything. What? Now, he's been threatened with being shanked in the courthouse. That's the verbiage that was used. Shank. This I totally take as a threat. You want me to go over so that you can hop on top of me and treat me like some sort of terrorist perpetrator? What? Excellent usage of the word safe. And I wouldn't feel safe either. Like, what? That's not a joke. That's not funny. That's another one. If I went around saying this, ooh, I'm getting my chops ready, like, yeah, get next door, and we're going to hop on you. Oh, buddy, I'm, what? Panic button, panic button. <laughs> That's what I would expect to happen. 
black community. You can't get excited. Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> I just wanted to use that word, black identity extremist. Exactly. Come on. Come on. And then so consistently looking for, we got black people that we are looking to pick out and say, oh, yeah, you need to come and be the perpetrator so we can jump on top of you. Either whether it's sexual, violent, or a little of both. We want to be violent with you, sexual at the same time. We get some sexual gratification. Even the white man might have been some delectable need. We shaft, we've been talking all that homoeroticism. Could be both. Like, oh, get my hands on this black male and drop a few elbows in there too. Excellent job reporting. Uh, I think that's totally incorrect. It's unprofessional, total violation of workplace safety. Uh, I mean, that's basically a threat. <laughs> Just coming here so that we can, you know, hop on top of you, treat you like some sort of criminal, uh, grope you in the workplace. Total threat, total safety violation. And that's the type of thing. That's the type of way that we should be behaving again at the courthouse. This is the sort of conduct that we want to model. Total disgrace. Sorry, the black male had to endure that as well. Like. The man not, Dr. Curry wrote a whole book about that. Black male privilege, they say. Uh, let's see. We basically did the broadcast. Did we miss anyone? Basically did our broadcast, though. Anyone had a, a quick comment they need to get in before we wrap things up? Hey, Gus, did you get the email of the T-shirt? I did indeed. The audacity. Even with that, I'm still not wearing it. Like, I would have a good chuckle. They had a, a cow uh, on the pink shirt. I don't, I've never seen anything associated with Breast Cancer Month uh, with a cow as well. Uh, but even with that, context of white supremacy notwithstanding, I'm still not wearing a pink shirt. Thank you kindly. I'll take it and, you know, hang it on the closet. But how apropos. Uh, we will, let's see, I don't think I did anything egregious. Double check this report. Oh, I did. Let's see. Non-Clemson grad. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. <laughs> it's already 11 o'clock out here. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just save it for next week. we meaning to call in, but sometimes I fall asleep. <laughs> um, but I do have a couple of stories. I'm out just try to run through them really quickly. Um, so uh, I was at a, you know, for those who might not know, I'm a, um, a, a planner and an engineer. And um, one of the things I have to do, go to is uh, zoning type meetings about development projects. And my one of the that was being discussed in one of the most recent meetings I went to um, in one of the rural areas, um, the of my department constantly talked about a project changing the character of an area. Um, so I asked, um, you know, usually what I've learned is that when you hear the phrasing character of um, changing the character of area, that's usually one of those NIMBY type, not in my backyard type phrases that white people use when they don't want certain things happening around them. 
Now, I don't know in this particular context whether or not it was about keeping like uh, non-white people out, but I did ask my director if he had a definition uh, for that word when he, uh, or that phrase, some change of character area. He didn't have an answer for me, but maybe I didn't give him enough chance to respond, but the um, cleaning manager was able to refer back to one of the zoning codes and specifically explain that code, um, at least what it means, what the area is defined to be, whether it's a rural rural area or rural neighborhood or suburban neighborhood. But in that context, I don't think my, my director had an answer to that question until the planning manager saved them or what was said in the, um, the future land use code. Uh, next story, Freakonomics. I was listening to one of the Freakonomics po- podcasts, and it was talking about um, childhood poverty. And one of the things that was emphasized in America, as many as 25% black, 20% Hispanic, 8.3% non-white, uh, non, I'm sorry, non-white, oh, my phone just went off, uh, non-white children are in, in poverty. And um, one of the things that the broadcaster or the um, person who was talking on the podcast emphasized is that even though only 8.3% of, uh, 8.3% of non-white children are in poverty, that's still a lot of white children because it makes up 3. million white children in poverty. I'm not sure if people are um, familiar with statistics, but one of the things people use to understand the occurrence of something is the rate. So here we went from black people are 25% and Hispanics are 20% to white kids are 8.3%. But he emphasized the number of white kids that are in poverty compared to the rates of black kids or Hispanic kids that might be in poverty. And of course, Hispanic is of any race, but no one usually ever makes that distinction. Next story, my grad school professor was in town and asked me to do an interview because she wants to write a new research um, publication about women and BIPOC people and on um, the planet profession. So I have um, dinner with her to talk about her potentially interviewing me about this. Um, so when she talks about BIPOC and stuff, I immediately start asking questions and tell her something. I don't personally identify as a BIPOC person. Um, I'm of Nigerian descent and of course I'm a black person, black male, but, um, I don't identify as, you know, as a BIPOC person because I don't personally know what a BIPOC person is, you know, just simply, um, uh, uh, putting up, uh, whatever a BIPOC, you know, putting together black people and indigenous people, people of color. That to at least far as I can concern, it doesn't really explain what these people are and what they're how they're similar, other than that maybe they're non-white and of course uh, women. I'm not seeing how you could compare. You no, know, for example, women as a minority, as far as I know, in the United States, women make up what the 51 to 52 percent of the total population in the United States. And then my last story has something to do with my um, my name. Um, as you know, um, me and my wife we teach ballroom dance. And we were teaching a group class, to, um, a private group class, to four white people, um, two white couples. And um, the thing is that um, I spell my name a certain way. But, um, and it's on my, of course, it's on my, on my first certificate. But when I became 20 years old, I learned that after when I was about to change my name, that my parents, when they named me, I had an apostrophe in my name. I didn't know that. I was simply told how to spell my name when I was a kid, and I've been writing it a certain way ever since. Um, and I didn't, um, and let's see. Um, so what happened was we were teaching this group of people, and we get to the end of the class. And, um, you know, we've been teaching these people for a little over, about a month. And sometimes they have a little hard time pronouncing my name. And at this point in my life, I've accepted that sometimes people have a hard time pronouncing my name for whatever reason. 
at the end of the class, you know, they're talking, we're talking, and one of them are saying something in Russian because I believe uh, one couple was Russian, while another couple might have been Irish. And the person said something in Russian, and one of the other people, one of the other um, white males responds, Sambo. Now, at the time, I was not particularly sure if I heard them say the word Sambo, but later my wife would um, say that that's what she thought she heard as well, too. So we continued the conversation. And um, as you know, I'm going over the pronunciation of my name, the man who's asking me about my name asked me whether or not there's an apostrophe in my name. And he talked about some comedian. I can never remember the, um, the name of the comedian, but I'm going to think of a white comedian making this kind of joke. Um, that every time you see an apostrophe in a black person's name, that is meant to represent a clicking noise. Um, I responded to him that though there are many apostrophe, uh, there is an apostrophe in my name, it is not um, it is not for purposes of clicking noises. Um, it is no different than an apostrophe to show the possessive form of now, no clicking noise. I also responded that even though I've seen many names with apostrophes in it, including black people from the, you know where I'm from, Nigeria. Um, people in America who have the um, apostrophe in their name, and even words that um, are from different cultures, different countries, like France, when you spell some of their words and stuff like that. As far as I know, none of those um, words, when they include apostrophes, mean a clicking noise. And I have never met any black person from the Caribbean um, who descend from, um, um, you know, black people who descend from slavery in the United States, or any black person from the African continent who has an apostrophe in their name, I have never came across someone whose apostrophe um, signified a clicking noise. And with that, that's the end of my stories. Does not get any better than tacky. How do we get a Sambo <laughs> workplace racism? Like, they're not even speaking English. Like, he said, he was like, I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. They had to get confirmation from Miss C, no less. Greetings to Miss C, too. Yes, he, he did say Sambo. <laughs> what is going on? White supremacy racism all the time. Doesn't get me better than tacky. Um, change the character. That is a great one. We talked about that earlier. Ask for definitions. Change the character of the neighborhood what does that mean and then they even have that in the code amazing that is a neutralizing workplace racism with overtime uh we'll be here tomorrow for the compensatory call-in passing of colin powell that technically could be workplace racism too a lot of talk about his performance on the job this week as secretary of state man uh, but that'll be tomorrow, normal time, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Much obliged for everyone uh, who has tuned in. Hope it was constructive, a uh, constructive use of your Friday evening. Sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. Need our brain computer to solve this problem ASAP. Uh, in addition to being sober, uh, if we are out and about, you see somebody at the post office being rowdy, maybe looting the mailbox, man, get out of there. This is no time for verbal confrontation. What did you say to me? What you asked me to do? Who you? Eh. You should be thinking this person might have a gun, might have been trying to bomb the mailbox. And he might have 
10, 20 of his rowdy, armed white homies with him. If you didn't leave your residence prepared to kill and or die, exit. That is the word, 2021, 2022, and beyond. All of that said, Creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Tao signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, That's brother. A victim. Right. I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs>